A group of horny teenagers take jobs restoring an old rundown summer camp with a dark past. One by one, the teens are murdered in increasingly gruesome fashion until only one remains. And she is forced to fight off the psychotic mother of a camper who was once drowned due to negligence in the 1980s slasher classic Friday the 13th. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Caleb I'm Colton Jenkins. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Filmgasm podcast. The gauntlet continues with one of the most significant slasher films of the 20th century, Friday the 13th. The film that introduced the horror community to Jason Voorhees and of course his mother Pamela. Today we'll discuss how Friday the 13th came to be, dig into the many sequels, and try to unravel the persistent lawsuit that has prevented any new content from being released since 2009. But first, I've got two updates on the Rewind. This first one updates our past episodes on Scream, Scream 2, and Scream 3, and I guess that one sneak preview on 5 Cream. Uh, More casting news for the upcoming Scream 6. Spider-Man Homecoming star Tony Revolori and Ready or Not star Samara Weaving have joined the ever-growing cast of the new Scream. The film is set for a March 2023 release. Gentlemen, thoughts? I'm excited. (laughs) I've never seen a Scream movie, so I'm just pumped. (laughs) So this is honestly a kick-ass cast you're getting. Um, I've already, I, I, I mean, I love Small Reaving. She's awesome. So I was beyond excited to hear that she's in, and especially because she did an interview where she said they actually called her about the prior Scream movie that just that came out, and they asked her for that one, but she was busy, so they were already eyeing her for uh, Five Cream, and I guess the stars aligned this time to get her. Um, our guy, cool, happy for him. Um, I don't remember who he was in Spider-Man, admittedly. Flash. He was Flash Thompson. Oh. So the character I really, really hate in the Spider-Man movies. <laughs> All right. Um, no, but good for him. You know, um, this is a really uh, killer cast. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, damn, I'll watch damn near anything, especially Horror Rise with Samara Reaving um, in it. So I was already going to see Scream, and now you're telling me Kirby's back and, like, Samara Reaving's in this. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm all in. Yeah, this is exciting. Uh, it's shaping up to be a fun one and give us an excuse to do Scream 4 next year. <laughs> I'm down. I've only ever seen the first one, and I enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, this is an excuse to watch the rest of them, I guess. Yeah, they're fun. They hold up. They're all you know good in their own way, and uh, this new one's probably going to be good, too. So it's pretty. Cons- it's like up to me. It's up to like Final Destination just being a pretty like consistently good franchise. Well, I'm like, okay, I, I don't really hate any of these. I have ones I like less than others, but I enjoy all of them for their what they're worth. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, you know, we'll, there'll be a lot more updates on Scream going forward because you know we're in early production. This next update doesn't update any of our past episodes, but I feel like we've talked about this guy enough on all of our shows that this was worth bringing up. Remember Army Hammer? Social yes. network, I thought about, Ranger, I, Death I, on the Nile. I, I yeah. thought about texting you this information. I'm so glad I didn't because I know where you're going because I saw it and I was like, I need to text Han and then I, I forgot, but go go forward. This, I mean, holy hell. So ever since he was accused of rape and of having a cannibal fetish, which not good, 
Hammer was dropped by his agency and has recently been spotted selling timeshares in the Cayman Islands. Yo! He's uh, apparently been cut off by his wealthy family and is on his own in the Caymans selling timeshares. I saw the flyer, like, you know, call Army for the best deal. (laughs) And he's there to support his kids and his ex-wife, and he's, uh, he's out of rehab for something. I don't see how rehab fixes the things he was accused of but uh yeah so if you ever want to meet army hammer go to the caymans and ask about timeshares <laughs> wow do you think he sells it aggressively like the dude that gave cough cough a ghost to mars yes <laughs> there's no other way just the way you like it. <laughs> now can i taste your fingy please i can put you in a beautiful vacation home today. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's reaching into the Winklevoss twins for that, you know, bringing that out. Yeah, he's, I, I don't feel sorry for him in the slightest because if any of that's no. true, fuck him. Dude, talk about a fall from like great. Like you hear about it in Hollywood, right? You have guy, you have actors or celebrities in general. I'm not going to say just actors, but right. Celebrities in general that they have their fall from grace. They have a hit pet, rough patch, but they're not really making money. They're facing kind of some along his lines where they might have to do a normal job and they balance back. But usually it's because there was a traveling career. So something less controversial happened or it was because of like a really bad drug alcohol issue. Something caught up to them. In his case, this is a case of like, you had it, man. First off, you're from a wealthy family. So you didn't even really have to try that hard. You already had money. You were a you were honestly like a pretty talented actor. I liked what you did. Yeah. Um, you're a talented actor, and then yet you, you had to fuck it up because you thought, oh, I'm an actor and I'm from a wealthy family, so I'm untouchable. I can rape all I want, and apparently just ask women if I can eat them, eat parts of their body. Which it's insane that that like crossed your mind. Like, well, I mean, if you're gonna do that, do it in person. Maybe don't do it where there's a trail. <laughs> I mean, that's just you know creep. Yeah. That's creep one hundred and one. <laughs> That's just leave a There's a dirty joke there, but I'm gonna refrain. This guy There's was just... almost Batman. Like he was a list, and now he's, you know, and... like, probably not even a good timeshare salesman. Just does he have kids? Yeah, he's got two kids. Uh, his That's wife left him over all this shit. That's why he's in the Cayman Islands. Apparently, his ex-wife that he, you know, left him over all that shit. That's where she lives. You ever think he's controlling the money still? (laughs) You ever think he did the uh, I got your nose? Oh, god, but he literally had her nose, yeah. But like, you but like that, he ate it and his children started to cry. And he's like, Yeah, what are you gonna do about it? Got it. (sighs) His timeshares cost ten dollars and a little taste of your fingies. Oh my god, (laughs) little liquoroonie of that. God, it's just, it's, I've. Yeah, I'm like I don't feel bad for this guy. Like you had it all, man. You you had you had it, and then you just had to be a monster of a human being, and now you're in the Caymans, broke selling timeshare. This, this is like the biggest life failure I've ever seen because it's not like he worked for any of it. He had it from birth, and he still lost it. Like, way to go buddy way to go you think he sits there and has moments when he's like i was almost batman like he's trying to share uh sell timeshares he has these freak out moments i just picture him at the vending machine and like 
he puts in like some quarters because he can't use the folding money. He needs that. And uh, <laughs> he's getting chips and it stalls and it's stuck there. And he hits it a couple times and he just puts his head up against it. And he just sighs. <sighs> I owe silver. <laughs> just, I know so. Yeah. Just remembers I was, I worked with Johnny Depp. I was a Lone Ranger. He's sitting at dinner. He has an existential crisis. He's like, damn. Can you pass the fingernails, please? <laughs> he's he's grilling an arm like pain and gain. Just like <laughs> alone. Just like, the kids didn't come over for the barbecue. It's not his weekend. <laughs> so he's just like, oh, ah, I didn't get I didn't get barbecue sauce. Oh shit. <laughs> you think he and then that, that's the right, that's the other thing. That's just there's the lifestyle he no longer has, right? Like the servants that do everything for me. You think that's like been an adjustment for him too? Like, hey, uh, Denise, give me the. I don't have her anymore. Hmm. I don't know if you guys know this, but regular dudes who get accused of rape and potential cannibalism, they don't get to go to rehab. No, no, they go to jail. Literally, they were like, you know what? We're just going to take your wealth away and you have to live like the rest of society. That's their punishment. Yeah, it's like the beauty. It's like a Beauty and the Beast punishment. It's, yeah, or it's like Thor, you know, exile. It's, yeah, it's, it's like, I don't, I don't really feel bad because I mean, you still have a job somehow, and you're still living like your life. You're just not a fucking A-list Hollywood star anymore. How do you think that job interview went when he applied for that? And the guy's like, "You look familiar." <laughs> what if he was like a sympathizer? He's like, you know what? I don't care what they say about you, Army. You can still timeshare. We love you. Yeah, it's just after they talk for like 20 minutes, he's just like, women, am I right? Come on. Come on. <laughs> I'll get you a desk this afternoon. You're going to be fine. Imagine the person that hired him, the, the phone call to the, like on the way home from work. He's like, babe, you won't believe who asked for a job today. The Lone Ranger. <laughs> you remember that guy that was going to play Batman but didn't? Remember the asshole twins from the social network? He works for me. <laughs> Which means I kind of own Facebook now. <laughs> no, no, hon. It's just one guy. It's not actual twins. <laughs> God. You think he went to a temp agency first because he couldn't exactly find work himself? I mean, what resume? You got like, you just, you know, acting and then, you know, a little like 2021, a uh, little gap. You want to explain this gap? No. <laughs> this is I mean, what's crazy to me, right? Like, we have, as you know, you know, with the Me Too movement and all that stuff, right, that came out, right? A lot of actors obviously got called out on very just things and they get called out on. Yeah. The thing is, though, even people like Spacey, who I granted, I know he's about to face this whole shit over in England right now. Yeah. But even people like him, um, I'm sure Amber Heard, I know those rumors that she's broke as shit, but like, they should they know how to set themselves in a way that they'll still be fine. Like Bill Cosby's probably a good example. Yeah, he went to jail. He still probably has his mansion and stuff, though. He's probably still a okay if he did his money right and you know last him to his old age. Army Hammer, though, like that guy was like it's straight up like he even set himself up. They even set himself up, just gone. He spent all, all of it because he felt, you know, I've got the baking soda money, I'll be fine. And then he lost that. Yeah. So it's like you couldn't even like do what these other monsters in Hollywood are doing and like 
make sure you're set up in case shit falls on you. No, you you were fucked, bro. Like you have nothing. I honestly would not be surprised if he just walked into the ocean and didn't come back. Like I'm waiting for that news because now everybody knows he's a broke ass timeshare salesman. So like he's a joke now. He's not like he's not even like a scary Hollywood cannibal anymore. He's just a joke. If Ezra Miller somehow recovers from his shit, no. There is no fucking way he can recover from this. Are you kidding me? He has a sex cult now. A cult. And he has like children hostage. No, dude. There's, he's not well, walking away from this. It'll, it'll take years like Allison Mack did. Yeah. <laughs> Ezra just show up in the Cayman Islands asking for asking Army for a job. That's going to end up becoming like celebrity exile island. They just go to the Cayman Islands. That, what if that's what they do with Epstein Island? They're just like, you know what? No one else is using this right now. Oh, my God. God. Call 8100-something-something today. (laughs) Ezra Miller, Army Hammer. Army just starts selling timeshares on Epstein Island. (laughs) He's tapped into this gold mine that no one else is looking at. He starts getting all these other people in, like Ezra Miller, like fucking Bill Cosby, Kevin Spacey. Like, look, you guys facing scandals? Come on down. (laughs) He becomes the, the face of just, like, dead end completely destroyed career monster celebrities to just live in harmony together what's what's the guy um danny masterson the guy that got like fucking five counts of rape against him (laughs) like he comes down there (laughs) i can picture the commercial right now like a little hawaiian jingle like accused of rape like children a little too much come on down (laughs) to armies Timeshares, we can set you, wanna, you up. You want to try to eat people? You can do that here. It's going to be the fire festival, but it's actually going to work this time. Jesus Christ. But the commercial is probably going to be like the Ghostbusters ad. All four of them standing next to each other. <laughs> Are you accused of rape? Do you need an escape from all these places? Oh, my God. Is your career pretty much done? <laughs> We'll believe in you. Meanwhile, Shine Depp's like, I had evidence. I spoke the truth. Fuck you guys. I'm not going to that island. I still have a career. Johnny Depp buys it, condemns everything. <laughs> he sends Amber Heard down there. How <laughs> to just scurry you away to that island. Yeah. Hey, Amber, meet your new landlord. Want to accuse me of anything, Amber? Oh, my God. So yeah, this is real. Look it up. Uh, Army Hammer. Manson down there. <laughs> In case anyone doesn't know, Marilyn Manson's face is a pretty heinous. Uh, more than likely, more than just allegations. It's pretty bad. I can speak from what I personally saw. Marilyn Manson does not do well in the heat. So I don't think he's going to be recuperating on any Caribbean island anytime soon. <laughs> when you tell me that and then you, you hear like the the fucking insane shit that you know that's coming out with these poor women i'm like how is it that guy had no energy on stage apparently he just used it all up to fucking terrorize you know women but then like spent all that energy and went to stage with nothing he did half that show sitting down jesus christ yeah he's younger than rob zombie i heard rob zombie can still put on a show so he was yeah he he galloped out in like 
you know, a zombie cowboy outfit and was like, are you ready to rock? And I'm like, fuck yes, I'm ready to rock and broke into, I think it was Meet the Creeper. So yeah, right. that was a show. What is Colton showing? Yeah. Is that real? Is that his real. real ad? That's Bro. <laughs> Why is he smiling? Stop being happy, Army. It says, okay, uh, do you mind if I read the ad? Yeah, go ahead. Welcome to beautiful Grand Cayman. I am your personal concierge, and I'm here to help you get the very best from your vacation. His hours are 11 a.m. till 5 p.m., Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and 9 to 3 p.m. on Sunday. Oh, in the information center across the Grand Pool. Of course. He has, he, oh, he has discount vouchers for top restaurants, local restaurants, uh, excursions, swim with dolphins, deep sea fishing, a turtle farm, stingray city, and much, much more. And then at the on the bottom it says, "Regards, Army." Oh my God, regards! I think he's working on his comeback. I think he's in his head like, "I got to work on my comeback." Why do this? He's like he's every every like every eighty percent of the paycheck goes in the nest egg. It's like that's yeah. the comeback money. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna be Batman again. It's gonna happen. I can't believe this. I will get my career back. You think Just like it's you know how In and Out Burger has like the secret menu that like only some people like know about, and if you like you know about that, yeah. What if he has a I secret hate In and Out, but yeah, he has a secret menu. Like I can get you, yeah, like if you're into some things, like I can I can get you that too. I have connections. Yeah, if you really like a certain aspect of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, hint hint, I um. I can help you. Yeah, the password is long pig. <laughs> oh god! Just tell, just say cheesehead. I know what you're talking about. God, this is. I could do it. I could do the whole rest of the episode about this. I just. I love this so. It's the funniest shit I've heard. I've heard of. Uh, yeah, years. dude. I saw this and I was like, I should text on her. And then I was like, I forgot because I, I was watching some other stuff. I was like, dude, are you seeing this? I almost didn't believe it. It looked fake. And then like everyone investigated and they're like, nope, this, ha- this is real. This is real. Like every news station was like, can you believe this? <laughs> I'm glad that. <coughs> oh, sorry. Well, this is the news I got preceding Comic-Con this week. Where we're about to get a whole lot of badass movie news. Yeah. And this is what started my week. Essentially, it was like, oh, Army Hammer. An army can watch it from his hut in the Caymans on what I'm assuming is like a 90s fatback TV. <laughs> You know what's great? DC and Marvel are going to be at Comic-Con, so he just can watch all that he could have been in. Yeah, I'm sure they, they all everybody wanted him. He was, you know, he was hot shit and a good actor. Yeah. I was expect I saw Oscar nominations, possibly wins in his future. But yeah. no one saw rape and cannibalism. Nope, they did not. And Mar- I'm just saying Marvel. I'm, shares. I'm almost positive Marvel at least is going to show their slate of upcoming films like they love to do. You think he's going to look at me like I was going to be in one of those movies? I just I I, I see it as his like sad boy catchphrase, just "Hi ho, silver." <laughs> I was over again. And then a couple tears. Fuck, oh, dude. What if DC? What if there's like some like shade thrown? They're like DC is like so we have this movie. We had one actor in mind, but he's selling timeshares. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we recasted. We were he was gonna be the flash, but uh oh well. You know we, we finally this double whammy. Bullshit. This is all bullshit. He's pre- he's preparing for a role. My god. He's a uh, um method acting. That's what he tells everybody, but then they're but it's like five years later, he's still doing it. 
He's just so, like, no, no, it's coming along. Through. He's like, I'm, I'm being thorough. I'm being thorough. He's telling everyone he's going to be the Flash. He's like, you guys heard what happened to Ezra Miller? Yeah, they're eyeing me next. Off what you, you guys watch. You imagine if DC actually did that? They're like, well, we're replacing Ezra Miller. We got Army Hammer. Remember him? God damn it. Honestly, with how WB runs DC, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I'd actually just be like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Let's see right. how this plays out. We got to move on. But I, this was too juicy not to share. I w- I'm going to monitor this. And if anything else comes up, we'll, he'll be back. <laughs> oh. I can't tell Josh this. He'll get a kick out here. That Army Hammer selling timeshare. <laughs> Keep my eyes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so first impressions what do you guys think of friday the 13th just the first movie not the franchise just the first movie wow you just really restrict me like that you son of a bitch yeah that's what we're here to talk about also as a franchise we're not here to buy timeshares we're here to talk about i'm, I'm selling timeshares go fuck yourself <laughs> army hammer was very convincing um regards as a franchise, I love this franchise. I really, really, in a quick succinctness. The episode, the movie. Yeah, thank you, thank you for ignoring it's my question, Bolton. What do you think? As a standalone movie, um, I don't think uh, I don't. I, uh, as a standalone movie, I wouldn't call myself a Friday the Thirteenth fan after this movie. Because uh, I didn't give a shit about a single character in this movie, including the murderer, because they never showed the murderer until the very end. All the deaths were like, there wasn't any cool deaths. Like the one where he's like nailed to the door. I was like, I uh, I exhaled out of my nostrils a little bit. I was like, hmm, that's cool. <laughs> that's it. Or I will say when the people are fucking on the bed and the dead bodies above them, I was like, oh, that's kind of sick and, and twisted. But that's it. No idea how refreshing it is to hear that. <laughs> But I enjoyed oh, the movie. I liked the movie, but I wouldn't call myself a friend. I did not hear any good in that, Mr. I like the movie. I'll, All get right, to so the I'll get to the good later. As I was saying, franchise as a whole is great. With that said, I do really enjoy the first film, but it is a weird case of I do think the sequels are better. It's one of the very rare like series in horror where I'm like, the sequels are better. Usually, you know, it's like nothing beat Texas Chainsaw Massacre the original. Nothing really beat the original Halloween. You know, nothing beat the original Nightmare on Elm Street. But this one, I'm like, the sequels are better. But again, like, and we'll get into, I'm sure you have all that um, for us, Connor. We'll get into it. It makes sense as to why this film came out the way it did and the difference in, like, how they approach the sequels. Um, with that said, I'm I'm overall a fan of the film. I, I like I actually like that they don't reveal who the killer is just because especially because this kickstarted the slasher craze. The big thing was this is the killer, this is who it is, you know what I mean? So I like that they did attempt some kind of air of mystery and horror that obviously sequel said fuck that, just showing the kills, but I they knew what the audience wanted at that point. Um so I like I personally really did I enjoy that aspect. I do think some of the kill yeah, obviously kills have gotten better, especially in the franchise to get better. But for what they pulled off here is really impressive, special makeup effects wise. I really enjoy what they did um, at the time, especially because this was a film that made the FX artists like Tom Speed and them like fucking just the rock stars of this genre. So like that can't be denied. Like what they pulled off, even though it's simple, 
And this film was still to me really impressive all these year, years later. That's true. I'm not going to knock Tom Savini at all. Um, really, my my problem with this movie is it's just it's boring as shit. I can't. I like Colton said. None of the characters really like. I don't remember anybody's name. I've seen this three times now. I don't remember anybody's name. That's the point. That's the whole point of slasher. You don't care about the characters. You want to see the death. I cared about the characters in Halloween and Elm Street. And also, we're not oh. like showing the killer. Like, yeah, it has an era of mystery. But usually, I've said this multiple times, whenever I watch a slasher movie, I always root for the killer. But this movie, I had no one to root for because I don't know who the killer is and I didn't care about the characters. But I did like, I, I do like, I haven't seen many Friday the 13th movies, but I do like the character Jason. I like the, I like the franchise. But this, as a standalone movie, I didn't, I didn't really care for it. When you also got with the with the reason they hit at the time, like yeah, Halloween came out was a huge, huge hit. But even then, it didn't kickstart the slasher subgenre. Like it came out in '78, and we didn't really get in our slasher until this came out. So this film set up the, a lot of the rules that slashers would follow. And then yes, once it became, once this became a huge hit, once it took off, and they had to think of what the fuck to do for the sequel. That's when they thought maybe people just want to see the killer. Like let's just show him front and center. Like, and then when they saw that that was what people wanted, like, oh, they want to see him do this shit, they ran with it. So you also got me like, yeah, I definitely understand. I get your, I'm not saying I don't get your complaint. I'm just saying, like, in context of like when this came out, what they were going for, it makes sense that they were like, let's make it mysterious and stuff, as opposed to the sequel saying, fuck that, show the kills, give the audience what they want. Yeah. Also, Go ahead. I also really like just the, the, the aesthetic and the vibe of like, the 80s slasher summer camp. I don't know. I, I, uh, I think, actually, I think my favorite vibe with that, minus the creepy overtones with one character, is a sleepaway camp. It just embraces that 80s, yeah. um, like summer camp vibe, minus one really, really creepy character that makes me wonder why it's in the movie. Guy, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The cook? Well, I remember the cook. I Sleepaway camp was what I wanted Friday the 13th to be. I really like Sleepaway Camp. So I just, yeah, I, I, I want this film to be as amazing as every horror fan seems to think it is. So it is but, amazing. Honor. I mean, Caleb. No. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm saying, never mind. Uh, I thought you were. <laughs> I was waiting. I thought you were getting ready to pose a question. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was. I was I was responding to what Connor said by saying your name. True. This is an amazing film. I love that you love that. I I love that you believe that. And you know what? That's that's good. That's okay. It's okay. You guys have wrong opinions. I don't think I've said this on air, but I love that I'm new to the film guys and family because now every time I do an episode with you two, I feel like like a child watching his parents go through a divorce. Yeah, it feels like that. It often does. And it's funny. <laughs> it's, you know, it's it's not, it's just, we agree to disagree all the time. Almost always. Yet then we're like, hey, did you hear this cool thing that's going on? And you're like, yeah, I'm excited for it too. It's, it's yeah. weird. <laughs> we're in, we're, we're simpatico on so much. And then like, we'll just get to this one area and we'll just skew so fucking differently. To the point that reconciliation is almost impossible, and then we will find our way back for something else. 
Yeah. That's that's best friends, baby. That's how it works. <laughs> Once in a blue moon, one of us gets surprised. Like when he had a kind of a complete 180 turn on Texas Chainsaw 2. I'm like, what the yeah. fuck happened? I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll eat some crow if I have to. I will give credit where credit's due. It just didn't happen this time. Yeah. Or I think I know it's happened to me a couple of times on my end. Oh, you, when you had me mid show, raise my score for pig. That happened. That was a proud moment of mine. I was, I remember that. Pig? What did you originally rate rate pig? I think it was like a six or a seven. And then as oh, we were talking about why would you give it such a low score? That so that was my know. argument. And no, no, I spent the entire episode convincing him it was a really good movie. And Friday, you... it, was, it wasn't Friday 13th. It wasn't a solid 10 out of 10. Okay. Excuse what did me. you give it, Connor? I gave that an eight. I really like pig. Yeah, it's really fucking good. <laughs> I literally just said I raised the score. I don't know why you're coming at me. What did you raise it to? An eight. Okay. I raised it. I would give it a nine, but that's just because I'm biased because I love Nicolas Cage. Oh, you're preaching to the choir here. We love Nicolas Cage. Nicolas who? Kage. <laughs> Nico Kage. That's his reinvention self. Okay. If anyone's going to buy a timeshare from Army Hammer, it's going to be <laughs> Nicolas Cage. He he fucks it all up again. He he loses the, the momentum because he bought like eight timeshares under the name Nico Kage <laughs> from Darby Hammer. <laughs> god damn it. Oh my god. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, <laughs> so let's get into how Friday the 13th came about. Um, this is one of the few movies where I've never seen so much like it's so obviously for the money. Like that's all anybody cared about with this movie. I've never seen that before. Usually there's somebody being like, no, I was this art idea I had and the art and I care this time. It's just like yeah, getting paid. Yeah. Which again, kind of explains why I think the sequels are better. Cause at that point they were getting directors in that actually liked this franchise and wanted to be a part of it. And they liked the character of Jason. They wanted to make a movie. So I think that's why there's such a, a quality, and in all fairness, I know a lot of Fry fans that have that same opinion. Even one, you know, the ones like me that love this movie, most of them will always say, like, yeah, the sequels are better. We, I don't know any Friday fan to this day that will rank the original the highest in the series. It's usually one of the sequels. Was, what was the was this the first like slasher movie? I guess psycho. It wasn't the first slasher. I would well, I think technically Peeping Tom predated Psycho was Psycho first, just Peeping Tom. Baby Tom. Yeah, you're right. Baby Tom, Psycho. There were hits in the, like, you could argue, like, Black Christmas and Texas Chainsaw Massacre were laying the groundwork. And, yes, Halloween really, like, I would say it opened the door. But, again, and it did do a lot for it. I'm not I'm not taking anything away Halloween did. But I would say what Friday 13th does, it took that door and, like, busted it open. Like, it, like, it set up everything it was supposed to be and ran with it and became essentially because it literally in the 80s, it was almost a Friday 13th almost every single year. It was this fucking saw of the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really became the backbone, like the gold standard. And that's why a lot of people consider like, quote unquote, the king of the slashers just because of like how it was such a presence and people would say like, oh, it has to be Friday 13th because these make money and this is how you got to do it. I don't think it's any coincidence also that, you know, Friday the 13th was really one of the first slashers to actually have quite a lot of blood and gore, you know, Texas Chainsaw and Halloween mostly left it up to your imagination. And then after Friday came out, you know, the next year, Halloween two loaded with blood. I was about to say, and yeah, 
and that's why I say, like, and I know, um, and look, if you ask me as far as original film, like first the film, I will actually place the original Halloween well above Friday the 13th myself. Yeah, um, as that's but as a franchise, I'll take Friday the 13th because they knew what they were giving us. Um, but that's why I always say like Friday the 13th beats in that regard because yes, it was, and we'll get into it, it was cashing on Halloween success 100 percent Um, but then because that was a success. Not John Carpenter, the producers of Halloween, the COD, were like, let's cash in on that. So, yes, like you said, we got an 81 Halloween 2, which upped the gore and everything just to kind of go with the trend. And then they had that weird thing going on where they wanted to say, like, oh, we don't want Mike on it. Or John Carpenter didn't want to do Michael Myers. So Halloween 3 came out, and that effectively killed it. And then we didn't get in our, like, Michael Myers sequel until 88, like the end of the decade. By that point, there was, like, the 7th Friday the 13th out so like it didn't even have really that strong of a presence in the in the 80s compared to like friday 13th the 80s was basically you know freddie and jason fighting for box office supremacy <laughs> yeah i've seen uh freddie versus jason good i do like freddie versus jason quite a bit i liked it too i thought it was actually really good i think i liked oh never mind i'm not gonna say that here you guys will yell at me i'm sorry never mind well, now you have to. I'm curious. I was going to say, I think I like that more than AVP, but I've only seen AVP once. I'm not going to yell at you. It's a way better film than AVP. Okay, yeah. yeah significantly. <laughs> but it was made by a competent director, first off. <laughs> and it's, you know, it took two R-rated icons and gave us a, wouldn't you know it, R-rated movie. <laughs> yeah. And the, only, the only flaw that film had was, for whatever reason, the producers, like, Let's not bring Kane Harder back as Jason, you know, the fan favorite portrayal of Jason. Yeah, that would have been sweet. I, I was going to ask, uh, do you cool. think it matters who plays, like, masked killers? Ooh, Caleb, I'm going to let you take this one. I was like, I'm actually, Connor, you had to turn around. But uh, I will say, because I've been the original defender, not Connor, of this. Um, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, if you pay, if you ever actually, um, I went through film school, right. And they gave us a little, like, obviously I just went to regular film. I didn't go through acting or anything, but they tell us some of the stuff that actors have taught. Right. And they'll tell you when it comes to acting, it's not the big, long, you know, dialogue moments that matter or are not, um, that's not a good way to say, but that's not what's the, the, what you can really do as the power you have as an actor is what you can do without saying anything at all. Right, what you convey without saying anything, and what how your body language, you know, your eye eye movements and stuff like that. So I, because of that, that really stuck me. And so yes, I actually think it does matter. I've seen horror films where they have a silent killer that just isn't convincing yeah. as a, as a silent killer. It's terrible. But when you get someone that really goes that extra mile, like you've been, um, me and Connor talked about with James Jude Courtney in the recent Halloween films, or Kane Hodder as Jason, that actually really get into this character's mindset why they are the way they are why they do what they do and take it seriously and actually put in that effort even though it's ultimately a big dude hacking at teenagers but they take it yeah they take it seriously and they give it their all and because of it it gives a very convincing thing where um you know i was using it with halloween kills you can tell michael myers is pissed the fuck off because of James Chu's Courtney's performance. And he doesn't have to, he doesn't say a line of dialogue. It's all on how he's acting. Because like whenever he like swings, it it feels like uh like he, you know, whenever he attacks, it feels uh what's that word? It um kind of manic 
and like uh uh fuck what's that word <laughs> i can't think straight I... fuck uh oh my god when you want something really bad intense no not obsessive and desperate it seemed like desperate and yeah desperate and manic and sort of like fuck i'm i'm pissed i want this to be over mm-hmm. yeah so yeah i, I know you had a, a turnaround so i'm, I'm curious yeah. when you have to add to that well i like take for instance you know like i think you have to be an you know acting is is like 80 percent body language you know yeah. i couldn't play jason you know i'm you know i don't have any lines but you got to get into the head of the character. You got to think like, how would Jason Voorhees move? How would Michael Myers move? How would he gesture at something? How would he, you know, what is he thinking right now? Because you have to show all of that without saying anything. Right. And that's incredibly difficult. Um, if anything, I've really be, like, become admirers of these guys who can translate that so well. So yeah, it's, it's paramount. No, yeah. I agree with this. Like, um, just to you know, just things that I've noticed, like uh, like Andrew Garfield's Spider Man, like the way that he can act without taking his mask off. He's the only Spider Man who, at the end of a very intense fight scene, he doesn't take his mask off just because he's so good at like moving his body. You know, yeah. and then also there's this Korean horror movie called Cairo. It's called Pulse in English, but it's oh, yeah. Ghost. Oh, Pulse, yeah, yeah. There's a ghost in that movie, and the first time we see the ghost, she's like just walking forward. And it's probably one of the scariest scenes in any movie I've ever seen ever because of how she fucking moves. She doesn't say a word, but the way that she fucking moves is terrifying. And it's wonderful. Yeah. You can you can tell, you know, if, if you can read body language, you can tell when you're watching good acting versus bad acting dialogue free. Yeah. Um, and I, as, as a lifelong horror fan, you know, that's that's been that's been one of the many things I deal comments I have to deal with and that bugged me when it comes to people trying to talk about why they think, you know, horror is inferior. And one of the common ones is, oh, it doesn't even take that much of acting to play these, you know, Michael Myers or Chase Morris. I'm like, then and I, my, now I'm at a point where I just going to go, then you do it. Why aren't you getting paid the money to do it then? I, I, think, I think it matters the most in, in horror. Okay, just as an example, uh, I think this is kind of sort of not the same thing, but uh, in Resident Evil 7, one of the main antagonists is Jack. And yeah, he speaks, but the thing that's so scary about him is the way that he moves, the way that he walks. He doesn't run. He just walks towards you. With like, oh, yeah, it was terrifying. Yeah. I hated that so, so much when I played the game. Yeah. But I bet, so that sh- I bet that shit is motion captured, you know? So yeah, it's actually, it is. it is somebody doing those gestures, somebody acting yeah. as that character. Yeah. A lot, a lot of games nowadays do that. It's all motion capture. Yes. It was an actor actually acting that stuff out, which you could say is probably even more impressive because he's doing it in completely in a fucking soundstage, having to know that they got to digital this shit later. Right. They had to make it all later. Yeah. But he's acting to make sure it translates. Or like in zombie movies, like the way the zombies act, like when they like twitch and shit, I'm sure they don't have to do that. But the fact that they do is terrifying. One um one recent example I'd like to shout out is Hayden Christensen on the Obi Wan Kenobi series we just got on Disney Plus. He plays Darth Vader. He doesn't have any you know until the last episode. He doesn't have any lines as Darth Vader. It's James Earl Jones' voice, but he's in the suit walking around, oh, like doing mm-hmm. you know murdering children and force choking people and just being commanding a commanding presence. He's Darth Vader. You can't just have any Joe Schmo 
wear that suit. It's got to be somebody with conviction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that I, I've been, I've really come to appreciate dialogue free performances because I'm you see so much more nuance in it. And it's it's really cool. Yeah, it, yeah, and like I said uh, I still think horror rise because I'm with you. When I was watching Obi Wan, you could tell it was like Hayden Christian put all of that anger and attitude like fuck you guys for coming down on me for this for so long you want darth vader you're getting fucking darth vader you could tell him the way he was doing that performance it, it was like this is darth vader holy shit um but horror wise i still think like james Jude courtney has been like one of my more favorite recent with his take on, on my like i said like i really liked what he was doing in 2018 halloween halloween kills and you know i know people have very varying uh opinions on that particular entry I overall like it. I do think there's some weird story issues involving like the whole town being mad about canonically one night, but they act like all the sequels happen. Mob it, thing. Small towns. It, they need they need to it, latch onto something. <laughs> I know. It's just it is something that like I'm like, eh, I don't know if they freak out like that over one night of two murders, but um I'm just saying I not 40 years later, you know what I mean? Or 50 or whatever. I mean, if, um, if you were one of the kids who was there, I can understand, like, wanting to keep the memory alive. At that part, it made sense. But, like, the whole town, you tell me everyone cared that deeply. Well, at that point, Michael was back and he was killing their children now. And that's when everyone was like, we got to stop this shit. <laughs> so I get it. He's back, <laughs> God damn it. But, uh, I, either way, uh, um, the, no, but how James Hughes Courtney was doing that point, like I said, like, there were so many scenes of, like, you could tell it was like a pissed off Michael, like just the way he was doing it. Um, that whole scene when he takes out the boyfriend's head and just the way he looks at her, like, you know what I'm talking about? The stairs, the way he just kind of looks at her when she's like, stop. And he's just like, oh, this and fucking twists his like the without saying a word, you get everything he's feeling in that scene. Um, yeah. then Kane Hodder, the hatchet series with his work as Victor Crowley, you know, he, he's able to pull off a terrifying character about saying anything other than a couple of grunts and even like i know when i showed you the the sequels when you were one day connor you laughed at the scene he did and all he did was step out of the way of a fucking rocket launcher but just because again of kane hodder's performance without saying a line of dog and the way he was able to use his body and his, his eyes and stuff like that you were like oh that's that's funny i see what he did there yeah this is a great conversation but um none of this matters if you can't see the fucking killer caleb <laughs> I'm sorry you don't like a bit of mystery. <laughs> I do. We don't a fucking slasher movie coming in hot again. The after Halloween, this was the first Friday Thirteenth. All right, let's calm down a bit. <laughs> You're coming at this knowing who the killer is because there's been like 20 sequels. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that was that was great. Thank you for that. <laughs> So let's see, how did this thing happen? How did Friday the 13th come about? Well, depends really who you're talking to. Uh, Friday the 13th was the brainchild of producer slash director Sean S. Cunningham and screenwriter Victor Miller. They both brought something to this and they both claim ownership. And that's where we're, that's why we're here today. All right, all right. They've been at odds with one another ever since. Cunningham wanted to make something in the vein of Halloween, super successful. He's like, like nothing he's like i want that i i admire the balls really to be just like to see a successful movie and like i'm gonna do that yeah well and i think also it's crazy he pulled like the roger corman Jaws band approach of like 
here's a poster here's a title yeah let's make a movie (laughs) what he did was um the original title of this script that victor miller had was a long night at camp blood which is too wordy for for a slasher movie you know halloween for what would what would become a series i know they didn't know that but yes but like a one quick little slasher film yeah okay i can see some cheesy fun in that a long night at camp blood return to camp blood Revenge at at Camp Blood. Camp yeah, Blood, was, the final chapter. Camp Blood goes to Manhattan. I don't see it there. Camp Blood in space. Camp Blood in space. Space Camp. That's a different movie. I have a question. So is this is sort of off topic? Is is Jason takes Manhattan, Jason X, and Jason goes to space? Are they all good? Okay, good is subjective. Um, critically speaking, none of them are good. In terms of enjoyment, Jason X is what you want. Jason Voorhees in space hacking up horny scientists and robots is a good deal of fun. Yeah. So before they did Freddy versus Jason, and I'm not going to get into why all these films even got made, because that's a whole fucking story in and of itself. There's Jason go, you know, Jason takes Manhattan, which it sucks because it fills a little to his premise because he doesn't get to Manhattan until like the final 20 minutes of the film. Besides that, it's all on boat. No, they didn't have the budget, and then they, yeah. Um, then there's Jason Goes to Hell, which was stupid, but some interesting insight came from Adam Marcus, the director, in regards to Cunningham, which I'll wait to appropriate time to give you an idea of what kind of dickhead Cunningham is. Um, and that one's, I don't like it. I noble attempt based off what I now know going into it from Marcus, but I, I, no, I don't like it. Um, and then Jason X, yes, that's when he goes to space. But dear God, it's fun. It's, it's so a terrible fucking movie, but it is like if you want to get drunk and have like a party, Jason X is good background noise for just you know it fun. look, it delivers on its premise. They are clearly having a ball with it. You can tell. So it's like, you know what? No, this is not good, but fuck it. I'm having a great time. Is is Jason not a, a, a dude? I thought he was a dude. He's a dude who then dies and then comes back because Tommy Jarvis <laughs> fucked up and now he's a zombie. So yeah, as of he's part a, six, he's a zombie. Yeah, he's a dude playing an nerd dude, dressed up as an nerd dude. The dude wearing <laughs> a hockey mask. It's it's yeah, it's funny. But yeah, I mean, as of Jason X, he's like a cyborg now or something. I don't fucking whatever. Yeah, but then they abandoned that and he got we finally got Freddy versus Jason, and then we got the review, and now we got he's also a demon worm that comes up at one point. No, yeah, to the Necronomicon. Yeah. Do you um do you like the remake? I do. Fan, hardcore, like more hardcore than me, hate the remake, and I'm like, why? It gave me exactly what I wanted. Jason Voorhees, dumbass kids, him hacking away, and one of the most glorious sex scenes I've ever got to witness in my life. Thanks to some of the most inane dialogue that comes out of it. So my favorite horror movie of all time is Evil Dead Two. And there's a comic series. Uh, I don't. It's yeah. called Ash versus Jason versus Freddy, and they all are fighting for possession of the Necronomicon. Yeah. It's 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 so, so after Freddy versus Jason, they were tossed around. He's buggy as out of print ones. Uh, they were tossed around ideals for a sequel, but because all this stuff is owned by different companies, it never happened. So one of the top ideals was Freddy versus Jason versus versus Ash for a sequel. It never happened. They made a comic book, but. Unless you're like Connor, you can find it at like a half price or eBay or something. It's hard to get because it's out of print for whatever fucking reason. I dropped 150 clams on this thing. 
because I wanted it. I've been hunting this for almost a decade, and I found it, it, and I was so happy. Never mind. I was about to message you and be like, is it possible that I could possibly read it? But then you said $150, and I was like, never mind. <laughs> you can come over and read it while you're in my apartment, but it does not leave this apartment. <laughs> I don't like the implication that Connor's just, like, watching over you reading it. <laughs> just intently doesn't break. The quick read. You could definitely knock it out in like a 20 minute sitting. I just nope. This, this, it just this makes me legal. mad that like that shit's out of print. Like, why? It's a yeah. comic. There's no licensing rights with that. Like, fuck. Yeah, it sucks. Look at that. original 1799 original price. <laughs> I didn't know if I knew about it when it was out, I would have picked up. But by the time I knew about it, it was out of print. It was like that that quick. Yeah. Ash wins, right? Like, I mean, uh, to me, that feel, that seems like the only logical answer. I'm assuming. I, I haven't. Open. I honestly have not read it yet. I oh. think I heard they leave it open for more, but I'm I could be wrong. Yeah, I remember, like when Fravor Chase came out, they were throwing out Fravor Chase versus Michael versus uh, Pinhead versus Leatherface, Hell versus Chucky versus Leprechaun. Oh, like, dumb. Oh, they were, they were just throwing out every horror character they could think of, and it just. Movie rights. I mean, that's what happened. Licensing rights. The only versus movie I've ever seen that did not end in a draw was Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just when you've got two cinematic titans fighting each other, no one wants to say who's better because there's going to be fans who are like, Meh. either way. So it always ends in a draw. That's just, oh, I knew I was done. Like Godzilla versus Kong. Everyone was like, oh, I bet Godzilla's going to win. I'm like, no. No, they're going to team up at the end of the movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> But I mean, if it was a you know, if that wasn't the case, always bet on the radioactive lizard against the big monkey. Monkeys are flammable. Technically, Godzilla didn't win that fight. Before they teamed up, he beat Kong. Don't do that to me. It was it was two to one. It, yeah, Godzilla. He, he wins. I know. I know. I know. I know. I was rooting for the underdog, but I was hoping, I was hoping Kong would win. No. No. But Godzilla could not have defeated Mecha Godzilla without Kong's help. So there's a mutual respect there. Yeah, let's see that. destroyed most of that city yeah. after you know a quite extensive casualty list. The big metal robot was dead, and everyone was like, "Literally, there's like a moment where Godzilla's like, yeah, like there's a nod of like, I don't mess with you, you don't mess with me." We're I know that they like they do it in Mortal Kombat, but they could totally do a fucking like horror movie, like fighting game. One hundred percent, they could do it. The only thing holding that shit back is multi studio cooperation, which just does not ever fucking happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside of Roger Rabbit, like it's never <laughs> doesn't happen. Like I said, that's what killed any Freddy versus Jason sequel was, you know, trying to get another studio, especially like. They were, I know they were tossed by Mike Myers, and like, if you look into the history of who owns that thing, oh my god, yeah, it's every every major you know pop culture icon has a history of just you know ownership and rights issues, and it's just such a clusterfuck. It's why it takes forever to get one of these things made. Uh, and then if it sucks, there goes the you know there goes the franchise for 10, 20 years. Yeah. Or you know, now we just get on like Netflix or Hulu. Yeah, it's coming back in a good way. Like we're we're in a good place. Yeah. Uh, Still waiting for that Evil Dead trailer and Hellraiser. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. So, when Cunningham thought up the title Friday the Thirteenth as a replacement, because that was an evil-sounding holiday that wasn't on Halloween, 
Uh, he took out a giant ad in Variety so he could snag the title first. He was like, I'm taking this. Come watch Friday the 13th, the scariest movie of all time. And he didn't have a, he didn't have anything filmed yet. Like he had nothing. He had a title and he had a script that needed work. <laughs> so no actors, not nothing locked down to shoot at. Absolutely jack shit. Yeah, I love that. And there was one movie that said like that was kind of it was something like it was Friday the 13th subtitle. I don't remember what the subtitle was, but they were like, hey, and the studio just paid them off. So they shut the fuck up. <laughs> mm. What is the scariest movie you've ever seen? Mm. Well, no. <laughs> the scariest movie I've ever seen is not a horror movie. And if you guys have listened for a while, you know what it is. Oh, Bambi? Evolution 2001. That fucking monkey. Nothing's ever going to top that. I thought you were going to say Bambi when the mom gets shot. I've never seen Bambi. I'm sorry, but fuck Bambi. Okay. You know, you know where I cried? I cried Fox and the Hound when the mom leaves I, Fox behind. I, I wasn't expecting such a strong reaction to my Bambi joke. Jesus. <laughs> right. I haven't seen Bambi or the Fox and the Hound, so I don't have Fox a... and the Hound is, is a great movie, and I do cry at that same scene every single time. Um, but that's not the point. Um, God, scary. It's, it's okay. Connor can attest to this. It's hard for me because he knows any movie that feels the need to advertise as the most scariest or the most fucked up. I get instantly in my fucked up wired brain. Fuck you. Fuck you. I didn't need to see that. Oh my God. Warn me next great. time. That was great. For those of you listening to the podcast, and I, you know, I just showed Connor a picture of the blue monkey from Evolution. That was beautiful. Um, But uh, in my my weirdly wired brain, I go, I have to see that. And nine times out of ten, when they say the most scariest film, you can. I always walk out going, it wasn't that scary. It was. Yeah. But I've I've been diehard all my life. Um. I mean, God, I think the last one that got me, and that was back when I was in high school, was the first Insidious. I remember watching that for the first time and getting legitimately creeped out because I watched that at night, and it was just me and my brother, and we were both like, fuck, that's at the end of it. I, I feel like the sadness got to you. Sadness? Yeah, the movie, The Sadness. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean, like, how it got to me? Like, I, the way you were talking about that movie made me sound like, it made me think, like, that really freaked you out. The idea freaked me out, definitely. Like that idea of like something turning your impulse control, your inhibitions off, and you know what you're doing, and you're doing heinous shit to yourself, to other people. Um, yeah, no, that idea did I, that idea did actually legit tear from me because it had. I, I remember watching the movie thinking, would I want to be like one of these guys or just fucking kill myself? Like, what would I want? Because I don't want them to do it. I don't want them to kill me. Fuck that noise. Um, not with what I saw in that movie. Um, but yeah, the idea creeps me out. Um, I will say, you know, not the most fucked up thing I've seen, but it was up there. Um, but Con, you know, I've, I've seen some truly fucked up. Yeah. Movies. He's he's been to heinous places that the rest of us dare not tread. So it's 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 fucking hard to scare him. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those that like don't ever ask me what's the most fucked up thing you see. I will you don't you will regret that question. Yeah. Well, what about you, Colton? What's the scariest movie you've ever seen? So I don't know because I feel like I'm in a weird line because I don't um, like if I'm watching a horror movie and there are jump scares, I'll obviously jump at every single one of them because there's no more reaction. But if a movie has a lot of jump scares, I don't necessarily call that 
the scariest movie I've ever seen because yeah. I don't think that's scary. I will jump, but that's just how you react. I think um, that's hard. Honestly, I, the first time I saw The Conjuring, I thought it was pretty fucking scary. Yeah. Conjuring yeah. was pretty scary. Uh, I agree with Insidious, but I'm horrified of the ocean, like, like weirdly horrified of the ocean. No. So um, the abyss got to me quite a bit. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. I know it's stupid. It's not necessarily a horror movie, but that got to me. I think when it comes to like being scared by non-horror movies, I feel like it's worse because you're not expecting it. You're not expecting to be scared. You're lulled into a false sense of security. So when something scary happens, it's fucking amplified. Yeah, I would actually most of my like my childhood scares are from non-horror films because I went in thinking, oh, it's just a regular movie, and then a horrific scene happens. I'm like, oh god, yeah. The scene in Ghostbusters where Dana gets like you know attacked by the things that come out of her chair as a kid that scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> um, Pinocchio scared the shit out of me. The original oh, one when he, when he turns into the fucking into the donkey or whatever, and everyone's like losing their shit. Yeah, talking about that scene. Yeah, that scene's horrifying. That one. Like Fuck you, day. Disney, so hard. Yeah. That one and um, Alice in Wonderland, the cartoon, just gave me the heebie-jeebies. But I think the movie that makes me feel the grossest is honestly um, Coraline. Mm. That movie's fucked up. That movie's I fucked up. Coraline so much. I've heard that's fu- I haven't seen that yet. I've heard it's fucked up, though. Have you read the book? I was given the book in like fourth grade, but I didn't read it. <laughs> the book is awful, man. It's not that fucked up to me, but I mean, that's just me. <laughs> I remember yes, reading uh, a comedian. Like somebody compared um, a jump scare in a horror movie to a comedian making you laugh by tickling you. Yeah. Like, it's te- yeah. Technically, they made you laugh, but they didn't earn it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. So, I, I don't like that feel. I don't like that feeling. I love horror movies, but I, I hate I hate the feeling of jump scares. I like the feeling that leads up to the jump scare, but I think it's cheap. That's why I hate haunted houses. But uh, Caitlin loves haunted houses, and she wants to go. And she's like, oh, you don't have to worry, because I'll ease you into it. I'll bring you two really shitty ones at first. And I'm like, look, if someone pops out at me, I'm going to shit my pants, okay? I love haunted houses. <laughs> I would never work in a haunted house. I feel like you get punched I- on reflexes so much. I am like that. I'm that guy with the hugest grin on his face when they're jumping at me. I'm like, ha ha. Got me. I went to a haunted house my freshman year of college. They decked out one of the like a building they were starting to one of the dorms they were starting to renovate. They decked it out as a haunted house my first year here. And I was like, I should go do something, meet people. So I went and it was so shitty. Like <laughs> nobody, nobody can. They just put some strobe lights in a dark room, some toilet paper, you know, roll like flipped around some fake blood a couple dudes just standing in places i was it was like over in in five minutes i was so pissed <laughs> i just realized i said the abyss i did not mean the abyss i'm sorry i meant underwater i'm sorry oh i'm kind of making sense yeah i think the abyss is like a sci-fi drama i haven't seen that either <laughs> i think the abyss is the one does it have uh uh does it have Bruce Willis in it? No. Does it? No. no. Ed Harris, I believe. Yeah. Is it yeah. the one he goes in the I just, I just watched like a five-hour documentary when I was on isolation for COVID. So I could space it out. A five-hour documentary on sci-fi of the 80s. Some of the guys that did those um those 80s horror documentaries I have. Yeah. Um, and The Abyss was on there and they talked about it. So. Nice. 
I learned a bit about the abyss. And yeah, it was no breach in sight. He wasn't gonna be in the water for that long. You crazy? <laughs> yeah, is that the one where he gets put in a suit and there's like pink fluid in his helmet? Because that's how they breathe underwater. Is like the yeah, something like that. And then like James Cameron actually filmed it all in a fucking underwater tank. Yeah, that's Ed cool. Harris almost got drowned. That's why he doesn't talk about it. Yeah, so did James Cameron. Apparently, his fucking thing came off and. <laughs> apparatus whatever the breathe came off and like the guy came over to try to help him and Cameron was like trying to push him off like get the fuck off me I need to go up <laughs> that's funny as hell uh well that was a good that was a good conversation good uh good question I like that um so Cunningham he took out the big page and he's like all right now we got to make a movie somehow so <laughs> he started casting his people. We got Adrian King as Alice, our final girl. She would reprise the role in the first sequel and in several fan films later, but uh, as we'll read in our filmgasm facts, uh, the reason she didn't become the face of this franchise. Um, Betsy Palmer played Pamela Voorhees. This is hilarious. She only agreed to do the film because she wanted a new car. And uh, she was very vocal about how much she hated this. She called it a piece of shit at first. But I'll say for years, she had to turn around. Yeah. At first, she was like, this is Drek. I only, I, I got to get a new Volvo. This is my only shot. I guess I'll hold a knife and not actually run through the woods because I'm out of shape. She used a, run, a running double. <laughs> oh, my God. She wasn't that out of shape. I feel like she just didn't want to do it. No. Uh, Palmer had previously appeared in such films as Mr. Roberts, The Tin Star, and It Happened to Jane. She was not a horror person. She hadn't acted in a movie in like 30 years or like 25 years. Uh, she which, was done technically with her career. Yeah. But um, Shelly Winters said no. So they needed somebody. They wanted like an old classic actress and everyone respected said no. <laughs> so Betsy Palmer was what they ended up with. <laughs> to, to her credit, I know like obviously, yeah, she, she badmouthed this phone. She eventually came around. She did the horror conventions and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, to her credit, she does really good in this movie. Like, you, she's the only one that walks away with a memorable performance. Um, I, I think Adrian King's pretty good, but also I'm not, I, I can't really badmouth her because I've actually I've met her in real life at a at a horror convention. And she's a very nice lady. Um, yeah. She has a winery now. That's what she does with her life. That's good. A lot of these people have, you know, no one really other than our next guy who you better fucking recognize. Um, nobody really had a career after this apart from like brief bits and you know the convention circuit down the road uh that's usually the case with a lot of these movies like they're not you know usually there's one if they're if somebody does come out of them and have a career it's like one person yeah yeah it's jamie lee Curtis or it's kevin bacon or it's johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah but at the same time there's nothing wrong with that convention circuit a lot of them actually yeah. talk about how much they love it because it's a chance to have the fans come up to them and I've heard a lot of them. It, it, it's a humbling experience for them. So they're like, oh, I didn't realize how much we affected you with just this simple little movie we came out with decades ago. Um, so a lot of them do end up enjoying that uh, yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, I don't mean any disrespect. I just find it interesting that it's almost like it's, it's like a rule. It's like only one of you gets to be somebody. So who's it going to be? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's weird. But like, yeah, like I said, Betsy Palmer, like she could have easily hammed this up and like or just not giving a shit, but to her credit, she did, I think she does a really good performance, and it's actually kind of, I do think it's the creepiest part of the film, 
when she finally like unveils herself and is talking like Jason, like she, I think she's really good in this. Yeah. You know, the key, 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 that whole thing. Yeah. It's basically oh, it's supposed key, 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 to be. Hmm? It's key, 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 ma instead of. It's yeah. like K-I-K-I instead of C-H-C-H. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be. It's, it's kill ma, kill mom. That's what it's supposed to be saying. Yeah. Like kill comma mom. It's Jason being like, go forth and avenge me. Kill mother. <laughs> avenge me. Well, he didn't need to be a vet. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that's something we'll worry about when we cover no, part, no, part two. <laughs> so he wasn't he wasn't dead. No, apparently he was just hiding in the woods for like 30 years. Look, look, if you watch enough horror films, continuity in any horror film franchise doesn't matter. Even Saul, because they keep trying to bring it back now. It is now, it was probably one of the tightest. Because they keep trying to bring it back, even it's starting to finally fucking fray with its continuity. Uh, at, least moved, at least we've moved past the Jigsaw Apprentice and are now on, you know, Jigsaw's inspirations. Like at least, yeah. But I'm just saying that was like when Jigsaw came out. I'm like, okay, now it's fraying because you're telling me there's another secret, 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 secret <laughs> Apprentice. Like, all right, you're yeah. you're stretching this shit now. I just watched a fan a fan theory video that Adam from the first movie was the apprentice we never knew about. Was, uh-huh. it, uh, was it the the film theorist? Because I watched yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah, Mad Pat. Yep, Mad Pat. I oh. watched. He's always wrong, but he puts a lot of effort into it. Yeah. Well, and he says that it's a theory. It's just. Yeah, I love his Marvel stuff. He's always so like you know, this is what's gonna happen when you know in the new Thor, and then it's like not even close. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I respect the commitment. I, I do. I, I like Saw. Life. I like mm-hmm. watching the movies, but everything past Saw 3 is just torture porn. Everything before Spiral. Were you watching Saw for the love story? Like, why were you there? <laughs> really? Why I were you there? Like, it becomes about the torture in Saw 2. So I don't know what you're trying to lead yourself with 2 and 3 about. As much as I love those two sequels, like, it was all focused on torture immediately after the first movie. Three has the frame. Three has the fucking rack, dude. Like when the dude gets like all his limbs bent 360 degrees, and then his neck, like that was torture. You know, blew my mind. I I I I only recently learned this because you know I've I've never because of you guys. I'm like more into film and shit. But dude, okay, I just learned this the other day, and it blows my fucking mind. All of the traps were actually built in Saw, like to make sure that they actually could work. And in the rack. That thing actually did spin. It, it didn't go all the way, obviously, but it did spin. And the dude apparently had to be like, he, he had to get some pretty like heavy motivation to get inside of that thing because yeah. he was terrified. I mean, they, they eventually replaced certain parts with like fake body parts. That's why the camera's like zoomed in. So you see the fake body parts actually breaking. But yeah, they could actually twist it. It's terrifying. And what, like, I, I wouldn't be in that movie. I'd be like, give me a stunt double or I walk. I know they're small and mundane, but the two worst traps in sodomy are the one where the dude is like chained down to the bottom of the pot being filled with pig juice. That one's pretty bad. And yeah. then the one where one dude has his eyes sewn shut and the other one has his mouth sewn shut and they're being pulled to the center. That one's also pretty, pretty rough. Yeah. I think I read that the, the reverse bear trap legit worked. That's they all worked. They they had an engineer design all of the traps. Yeah. So she had she had to like get it off. Like 
honestly in time. Oh, no, 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 no. no. It, it was not actually wired into into her yeah. jaw. <laughs> that would. Oh, we don't. At, we don't. At know some that. point, the union's gonna show up and be like, what the "Fuck you, doing?" We don't know that. <laughs> oh. All we know is that Leigh Rennell cast Shawnee Smith because he had a huge crush on her. That's why he cast her. Well, I mean, he's, show he's probably not going to rip her face open then. He likes that face. <laughs> Have I'm you just... seen the behind the scenes about that? They're like, why do you cast her? He's like, oh, he goes, because the blob. In the 80s, he's like, I had a crush on her since the blob, and I really wanted her in the movie. Because the blob. That's great. Um, we've covered the first two Saw movies, but there's a lot more left. Uh, so we'll definitely be going back to Saw at some point. Uh, but let's talk Kevin Bacon, who plays Jack. Honestly, I don't. I'm I'm just now learning characters' names. Um, Bacon is a highly prolific actor with over a hundred credits to his name. Some of his most well-known work includes Footloose, Tremors, A Few Good Men, Apollo 13, Mystic River, X-Men: First Class and currently the Showtime series City on a Hill. And every time I watch this, I'm like, fucking Kevin Megan. Like, I always forget he's, he's here. Uh, not his first film, though. Close. Off the top of your head, you guys know what his first film was? R.I.P.D. No, I, don't know. I looked it up yesterday, actually, and I forgot it already. So I was like, making my notes, I was like, this wasn't his first film. What did you do before this? Animal House. That's what wasn't it like a non-speaking role or something like that? No, it was it was a pretty like he's one of the frat douchebags. He he's a couple lines, but uh yeah, started strong. Animal House, then Friday the thirteenth, and then you know when Footloose came out, he was you know America's sweetheart. So right. yeah, I love Kevin Bacon. He's one it's of my funny. favorite guys. It's funny as he did this in Trimmers, right? He has gone on record as saying at the time he thought Trimmers was like the worst thing to his career. I'm like you were in Friday 13th. <laughs> Why is Trimmers like Le- Lester here? Like, I love Friday 13th, but I love Trimmers. Yeah, after Hollow Man, Kevin Bacon's career will survive anything. Like, really. He's bulletproof. He could eat somebody and sell timeshares in the Caymans. He'll be fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> Six degrees is bacon. Six, yeah, that's the name of the timeshare. <laughs> so, uh, everything. I think ever since Ghost of Mars, I got in this habit where every time you tell me a movie that we're going to do, um, I don't look anything up about the movie. I, I don't. I don't look anything up. So if I don't know anything about the movie, I go in completely blind. And it's my new favorite thing of all time. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. And I saw Kevin Bacon and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> that's a good practice for, right. for Joe. That's, that's pretty much what I do when it's something I'm going in blind on. I do that with Oscar Sunday a lot. Yeah. But, yeah. It's a good, that's a good practice. Not only is it Kevin Bacon, but you get Kevin Bacon getting the sex scene. Yeah. Dude whips out the Baconator and goes to town. He does. He whips out the Baconator. Not for Kira Sedgwick in this case. Not for somebody whose name escapes me. (laughs) They're all so interchangeable. Bunch of preppy white kids just doing summer camp shit. Again, that's the joy of the slasher. We don't care about the characters. We want to watch them die. I, I I like to root for the killer when there is a killer to be seen. Especially the 80s slashers. 80s slashers, look, here's some people. Cannon Someone fodder. might be famous one day. I think it's uh the burning has one of the guys from Seinfeld or some shit in it. Like is it Jason something. Alexander? Because that'd be great. Yes, it is Jason Alexander, I believe. Are you serious? Jason Alexander's in the slasher. It's I think it's the burning. I might be wrong. Oh, look at Jason, Alex- Jason Alexander was in a fucking slasher film from the 80s. 
George's um, getting upset. And uh, that's, that's usually the case. Someone's going to break out later, right? Um, Say for a camp, you could actually, I guess, probably for Lisa Rose the most. She's become like a horror icon. Um, but someone breaks out, right? And then at the end of the day, it's just, here's the killer. Watch the murder. Let's go. I see. I, th- I, I When it comes to like, like Halloween and Elm Street, for example, I did like those characters. I cared about them. I wanted to see, like, is Nancy going to make it out? No. Like, I don't want Glenn to get sucked into the bed. Like, I like these Good people. Point. Good point. <laughs> I'm sorry that's what you want, but I like my slashers, but characters I don't care about and a killer fucking them up. You don't You don't like to get emotionally attached because then you don't get sad. You know, uh, I know it's not a slasher, but uh, The Witch. Mm. Actually, I, th- I think I'm going to correct my underwater statement. I think The Witch is probably the scariest movie I've ever seen. Just Definitely it was- not a slasher, but go on. Yeah, it fucked me so much. But like uh, people in that movie died left and right, and I grew attached to those characters, and I, I felt bad every time one of them died. Well, that's because it's one family. It's centers around one singular that's family fair. for an hour and a half. <laughs> well, I, I mean, these, ca- these camp people were kind of a family. <laughs> no. <laughs> They're a bunch of horny teenagers doing immoral drugs and sex before marriage. But yeah, the witch fucked us up. We we saw that at the, together, and yeah, I, the build up to that, the trailers. Yeah, we went and saw Deadpool afterwards as a palate cleanser because we were like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, but yeah, Kevin Bacon's just here to get stabbed in the throat, and that's pretty cool. Well, I do like his death. It's it's a simple death, but one of my favorites. I agree. Yeah, he was cool. Um, Janine Taylor plays Marcy. She would also appear in the 1982 TV movie The Royal Romance of Charles and Diana. And that is it. So have you, have you seen that movie? Charles and Diana? No. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've never fucking seen it, but yeah. Do you have any idea? How incredibly impressed I would be if you saw this obscure 1982 TV movie about the royal family. <laughs> Mostly because it's so hard to find these fucking 80s TV films. Oh, they, they're pretty much gone. Like, unless somebody taped them in 82, like, they don't exist it's, anymore. It's insane. And to me, it's such a lost art form when they were, like, honestly really trying with these TV films. They're like, what can we do? We can push this. I was reading about this this woman who's like who taped everything she watched on TV from like 1980 to like 1999. Holy shit! And they're going through her tapes, and it's like the only existing archive of some TV shows. Like a, it's a snapshot into 80s culture in a way that like we've never seen before. God damn! So, so there is something to be said about hoarders. <laughs> That's good hoarding. Let's calm down. I don't endorse hoarding, but I endorse that. Yeah. You're going to collect, collect, you know, something that matters. There you go. <laughs> Your pizza box can get thrown away. You don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Robbie Morgan plays Annie. She wouldn't appear in anything else of note, but she is listed as a stunt player in the 1988 comedy, The Great Outdoors, which I was, I found that interesting. Like she did stunt work for The Great Outdoors. Interesting. Was she in the bear costume? Uh, Annie's the the one who gets like picked up and killed in the woods, right? Yep. Yeah, she's the she's the one that like they they barely question why she hasn't come there. I think those are a quick moment of like, hey, has Annie showed up? No, she's probably just gotten lost or something. I'm like, we're just not going to look for her. We just don't care. 
Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't understand. Like that, that kind of pissed me off because she had like, she was walking very clearly walking. So I, I wanted to know why she was walking from wherever she came from. She's like, Hey, do you guys know where Camp Crystal Lake is? How the fuck do you not know where it is? Where are you coming from? Why are you walking? <laughs> she just fucking dies. I do kind of like the fake out where she's like, you think she's our hero. And then, Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 She's just gone. Uh, I also do appreciate that Mrs. Voorhees didn't say anything to anybody while she was killing these people. And somehow as like an older woman managed to overpower several strong teenagers and like lift them onto doors and shit like that. But whatever. No, I mean, who cares? I do clearly. Also, I like how uh, when Annie's first introduced, when the old creepy guy is like getting her into his truck, he very clearly like grabs her ass and pushes her up into the truck. I was like, ah, yeah. oh, Beautiful. 80s, yeah. dude. 80s. Get yeah. on up in there. It was yeah. the age of the trucker. They'd... I was like, fuck, dude. Are you kidding me? I he kept expecting like... him to be like, you know, drive past Crystal Lake and be like, so, you know, we're low now, girly, or some shit like that. Yeah. But no, he actually did just drop her off near the lake. Way to go, guy. <laughs> He's just like, you know, I got to hold back to this. It has a nice bed. Nice and soft. Um, Harry about this scenario way too much apparently for this movie apparently Harry Crosby plays Bill uh, refresh my memory Caleb who was Bill 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 one of the teenagers which one wasn't he the, the goofy one I think he's the goofy one no I don't even know <laughs> no 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 he's the one that was playing a fucking strip poker, poker with him that's Bill that's right no, it wasn't strip poker. It was strip monopoly. Or strip monopoly. And he that. killed the snake with the machete. That's Bill. Yeah. That was a real snake, and he really killed it, by the way. Yep. Yeah. Ooh, I didn't actually know that. So Cable it, Holocaust and Friday 13th. <laughs> they didn't have the budget for fake snakes, so they just said, fuck it, and chopped the head off a real snake. I'm, I'm glad they didn't get a water moxing. So my first thought seeing this was like, huh, is that a water moxing? And I was like, wait, no, because that would have fucking attacked. Those things are nasty. Fuckers. All right. There's there's your snake fact of the day. I like snakes. Um, okay, so anyone's wondering. We have a segment on the show now. Snake fact of the day. <laughs> also, anyone who can't use fam in the river, I think in Blanco, there's water moccasins all over that fucking thing. I have never swam in the Blanco River. What's wrong with you? It I swam a... in the Guadalupe once. I did tubing, but oh, there's almost... water moccasins there too. I almost died. That was crazy. I, uh, I did the zip line. I lost my grip. I landed about half an inch from a rock that would have impaled my fucking head. That's so cool. nearly died on the river. That was good memory. Well, no, a memory. Down by the river. Well, anyway, Harry Crosby is the son of the late Oscar winning actor and crooner Bing Crosby. So Bing Crosby's kids in this. That's pretty fun. cool. I wonder what Bing would say. He'd probably beat the shit out of him with a sack of oranges, which is what he always did with his kids. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Bing was a notorious abuser. <laughs> abuser or a good parent? You decide. <laughs> no, a sack of oranges doesn't leave a bruise. I learned that, that from Bing Crosby. <laughs> you just got to smack them around a bit. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, Lori Bartram plays Brenda. She was also in the long-running soap opera Another World. She died in 2007 at 49 years old from pancreatic cancer. Who was Brenda? I want to say she was also the one that played Strip Monopoly. 
Was he hurt? That's not helping because <laughs> they all played strip monopoly. No, no, only, three of, them. only three of them play strip monopoly. Thank you very much. What did you say, Colton? He was the one by the arch, uh, the one they got uh, with arrows. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, so you want to play strip monopoly? The, besides our main character, the only other female that was playing strip monopoly, because the other female was fucking the baconator. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but can, can, can we talk about Strip Monopoly for a second? Because Monopoly is one of the longest games ever. So at what point you're gonna you're you're gonna be naked the majority of the game? I know it's not and exciting. You're winning. Like I get <laughs> here when I play Monopoly, so I'm just mad and naked. I don't want that. You better play. You better. The point of playing buy... Strip Monopoly is not to fucking play Monopoly. Look, you you better buy Broadway real quick in that game she was like give me your boot and i was like dude this is american economics there's a snake in my boot there almost was but that guy fucking killed it <laughs> look don't question the ethics of strip monopoly they had a plan someone was getting laid that day and well they didn't but monopoly why Monopoly is the worst board game ever made i'm sorry they probably didn't have options no. and they're fucking board games at the camp Connect Four is the worst board game ever made. What is wrong with you? You drop this in up four. Yeah. Now, it's what? now what? Yeah, it's fun. Bullshit. If you're two years old, it's fun. Actually, I have a new board game for you to come over that I, I want to test out on you. I know you told me about that. I am in. Fuck, man. Yeah. But uh, Josh isn't here to test it. So I need someone to test it. Ah, well, I will be your bron- I'll be your silver medal. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> you're like my fifth place it's okay yeah i figured um i'm in the race that's what that's what counts <laughs> um but yeah the strip and weren't they all like they were paired off right like some of them were dating or like were they all dating or were they just some were dating people? some were just friends and in movie ward friends play strip monopoly i mean yeah, remember with the slashes of the 80s, they were very fast and loose, you know, relationships and sex and what teenagers did privately for fun. That's true. Which, no, uh, they don't. <laughs> no. no, I look, in real life, you ask me to play strip monopoly, I'm like, look, I don't mind playing a strip game, but monopoly? That's what we're going with? Have you seen Euph- Euphoria? No. no. I'm sick of fucking, like, adults writing high schoolers the best i that we get is stranger things because they actually act like kids but they are actual kids but in euphoria now, but yes yeah but now it, it's fucking, in, in euphoria it's about high schoolers everyone's fucking and doing drugs and i wasn't doing that in high school but i mean i was i mean look at me, but i mean you know like everyone no see no. i didn't i never saw that in high school either but the older i get the more i'm like was it actually happening and we're just not cool yeah, it's all the cool kids doing it. That could be it. It's like maybe, maybe. I wasn't invited to the sex party because I'm I'm a nerd. I guess not. Or fucking hereditary, dude. When when they're chopping up the nuts for the chocolate cake, what high school party did you ever go to where they're gonna oh fucking bake a chocolate cake? That is what? a very that is a very good observation. There has never been a chocolate cake, a homemade chocolate cake. Yeah, at a fucking look, high school look, party. I have I had whole issues with like. His mom being like, instead of being like, no, you cannot go to a high school party, it was, we'll take your sister. I'm like, you know, it's a high school party, you dumbass. Yeah, that was 100% on mom. Way to go, Tony. Good job. Yeah, dude. Yeah. First, first of all, first of all, Tony Collette deserves all the awards. She's yeah. wonderful. Yes. 
Second of all, Hereditary is a fantastic movie, yes. but it is probably one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen. Absolutely, 100%. I've seen I, it three or four times now. Every time I, I see shadows in my apartment and I have this like crushing sense of despair. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I get really happy and I just move on with my life. I bet you do. It's a, it's I'm, a depressing I'm wired so differently. I feel nothing after I try to just move on. Oh my God. It, it's a depressing movie until the last 10 minutes where it becomes a horror movie. Caleb, I feel like one day on Halloween night, you're going to be visited by three ghosts who are going to make you remember the true meaning of fear. You're going to get like a scary Scrooge. That was like they feel too. They're like, we can't get anything with this guy. Freddy, Jason, and Michael are going to show up and fuck you up. Okay, which are those? Which hmm? the whole time I'm just smiling, like, oh my god, it's my idols. Okay, um, Michael's the ghost of Christmas future because he's actually got a franchise going strong right now. Um, Freddy's the ghost of Christmas present, or I'm just gonna say Christmas because it's hardwired into my head. Because I feel like any day now we're gonna get some news, and Jason is way back there in the past because <laughs> I think we're done with him. I don't think we're done, but this lawsuit's not helping matters. That's that would be a good fucking movie, like a Halloween song. I don't know, instead of a Christmas Carol. Somebody needs to make like a Halloween theme, like a Halloween version of a Christmas Carol. That would be that would be great. It's like a jack o' lantern, a skeleton, and like Vincent Price or something. Yeah, that'd be so dude. (laughs) But what would be the message? Because in Christmas Carol, it was don't be an asshole. But what's what would be the Halloween one? Be an asshole. Your kids are reverse Christmas Carol. He's he's Dude. too nice. They got to teach him to you know nut up. Uh, actually, did you see the Christmas Carol with uh, Guy Pierce? I didn't. I heard it was dark. It's very dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was fun. <laughs> um, finally, we've got Mark Nelson as Ned. I always, I've always hated the name Ned. I always think of Ned Flanders. Yep. Well, you know, there's a there's a screamo metal metal band called the Flanders. I've heard that. Yeah, uh, it's like it's like Hidley Doodley or something like that. They all dress yeah, like Flanders yeah. and scream death metal. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. It's it's bad, but yeah, it's awesome. I love that. Uh, Nelson would appear in the first Wives Club as well as episodes of Remington Steel, Law and Order, SVU, Spin City, and The Good Wife. He currently teaches theater at Princeton. Oh, oh. yeah. So he's doing just fine. I wonder if he fields questions about Friday the 13th. I like how, like, it seems like the goofball characters, because then it was the goofball. They always seem to have an actually pretty decent career afterwards. Like, Shelly in part three is a fucking entertainment lawyer now. Nice. Like, good for him, man. Like, good, good for them. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the weirdos like Corey Feldman and Crispin Glover aren't, aren't doing that great. No. Dude, Crispin Glover needs to fucking, I don't know. He's such a good. He was a good. He's so creepy. He would be good in, in as I think, like Joker, Green Goblin. You want to see some some oddball shit? Watch Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter. Crispin Glover's in that, and he dances the weirdest fucking dance I've ever seen in a movie. I don't know what you're talking about. That was the best dancing I've seen in my life. He is so off rhythm. It's like he's di- listening to different music in his own head. Have you seen uh, Willard Willow? Willard, I, I the, the rat movie. Yeah. I have yeah, Willow is the fancy epic that's coming back on Disney Plus, yeah. which that scared the fuck out of me as a kid. Fuck those monsters that come out at the end of the movie. Those Wait, what? What is that? The remake of Willow? It's a re- yeah. Willow's the remake of what? 
of it's the the movie in the eighties is called Willow. They're they're rebooting it as a series, also called Willow. Oh yeah, I'm saying the monsters that show up at the end of the movie can go fuck themselves. They scared the show me as a kid. Oh, oh fucking motherfuckers! Why well, that Jim Henson shit in the eighties was creepy? Like I'll give you that. Like Never Ending Story, Labyrinth. There's some creepy shit. Yeah. Yes. Uh, my mom put that on. She's like, oh, he likes movies, and I think Willow's like PG. It was meant for children. She loves it. Or she did love it, and I won't get into that right now. Um, but I remember watching it as a kid, and one time, and never watched. She hid the VHS because like that, those fucking little monsters that pop up in, like literally scarred me for life. My um, my uncle had a vintage King Kong poster when they were growing up. When my aunt and uncles and my mom were growing up, my aunts and uncle at one of them were growing up. And um, he had a poster of King Kong, and it scared the shit out of my mom or my aunt. And they, she ripped it off the wall and just tore it apart because she was like, "No, it's scary." And I wonder, like, how much was that poster worth today? <laughs> Probably a lot. Yeah. They're making a TV show of the night of the 1988 Willow with um, what's his fucking name? Val Warwick Davis. Yeah. Warwick Davis? Yep. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. What? I love that movie. Holy yeah. shit. It's getting okay. a, a sequel series. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's I got to get... I, I I bought Austin for um, his daughter's like first birthday or second birthday. I bought them the DVD of Willow because their daughter's name is Willow, and I thought that was cheeky. <laughs> Not even the Blu-ray. Wow. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> oh, I remember... I remember what I was going to say. Uh, you know that Will Smith's real first name isn't William, it's Willard. Seriously? Yeah, isn't that disgusting? You better, be you, better, you better stop it. He's going to slap you. All right? I'd slap everybody if my name was Willard. I'd be just seething about that my whole Look, life. Just keep his name out your fucking mouth. All right? He said it too. Oh, God, his middle name is Carol. Suddenly, it all makes sense. Willard Carroll Smith. I get it. Okay, sir, sir. All right. Whoever the fuck you want. I said this whole <laughs> name. Weird route now. Do you know why the character, his character on The Fresh Prince is named Will Smith? It's because um, the guy who plays Carlton told him, like, whatever your character's name is going to be on this show, it, everyone is going to call you that for the rest of your life. Like, hey, it's, you know, like like Kelsey Grammer. I'm sure people are like, oh my God, Frazier. So now everybody's like, hey. Will Smith. Is his Will name Smith. Is really Will Smith? His, yeah, his, his name is Will Smith on the show. <laughs> it's actually really brilliant thinking about it like that. Uh, all right. Friday the 13th has an IMDb score of 6.4. Rotten Tomatoes score of 63%, which I think is a little high. It was a colossal hit, grossing $59 million oh. on a budget of only $550,000. That's incredible return. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it spawned 10 sequels, an unaffiliated TV series, a remake, and several video games. It's one of the most successful horror franchises of all time. Good work. Uh, that TV show, by the way, is just called Friday the 13th, the series. The producers greenlit it. It's got fuck all to do with the movies. There's no, nothing to do with Jason, nothing to do with Camp Crystal Lake. It's just like an anthology series, like a shitty Twilight Zone. It was actually pretty good. I saw some of it. It's, it's not bad. Like, if you accept that it's not Friday the 13th, it's a really good series. <laughs> I refuse to accept that. 
I, I, I went through that shit already with Michael. I'm not going through it with Jason. What no, Halloween show are you talking about? No, I mean, like Halloween three. No, no Michael, but still Halloween. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a good movie too. You just need a lot to accept. No. Um. So let's talk Friday the Thirteenth. If anybody has any moments they enjoyed or anything they want to shout out, now is the time. No, I want to hear you fuckers first, since apparently I'm the only one that loves this movie. So fuck both of you. I want something positive from both of you. No right. negative. One positive. That's right. Turn the tables. Give me something. All right. What the hell was up? I with said positive, Ralph? but go on. What the hell was up with Ralph? Crazy Ralph is awesome. <laughs> no, <Right>. no. <laughs> he just fucking shows up. He literally shows up in their cabin. I was like, hey, guys, y'all are fucked. And then he just leaves. Well, first, he yes. hides in awesome. like a, His name a is Crazy and Ralph. And he's like, what he waits for them to find him. He's in a cover, just like hanging out. And then he's like, good evening. And yeah, it's, his name is crazy Ralph. Like what? You want him to act sane with that name? He's a red herring. He's there to no, make us think he's killing everybody. But really, it's insane. a woman we've never met. He's insane in the membrane. All right. He's crazy Ralph. My favorite character are the police officers that always like have something to do before they get to the camp. You know, he's like, oh, sorry. Emergency call. I'll leave you here. Is that okay? Like officer, I like, like how that cop was like so like suspicious immediately. Yeah, what are you doing? You smoking reefer? Are you doing like you doing hash? Like what is it? Smack? Like he just oh yeah, like you're like what's the what's reefer? Don't be sparmy. Hash, smack, pot, weed. He just starts naming it. Dude, <laughs> the guy he's like in very offensive Native American getup, and he's like he's like zip it, Tonto. That's. <laughs> um i do all right so i do have one positive um and this only really comes about if you've watched the other films if you know who jason Voorhees is and it's when we first meet mrs Voorhees, and she's like you know she shows up in the car and is like hello i'm a friend of the of the whatever the christie's christie's she says that like four times which should be a red flag that's all she's got (laughs) i'm a friend of the christie's she got nothing else to back that up. She's got no evidence. Just, I'm a friend of the Christmas. She didn't write out enough of a script. She didn't think anyone would question that. <laughs> but um, when she starts talking about her boy and like how this used to be a summer camp and tw- when she just, you know, wistfully says his name was Jason, like the, the hair on my arm stood up a little bit because I was like, ooh. Yeah, I'm telling you, Betsy Brown, and the way she delivers that, and then she starts being like, and then you killed him? And she, like, loses it. I'm like, holy shit. And then, like, when she's, like, talking like Jason, going, kill her, mommy, kill her. She's like, I will, Jason. I'm like, dude, this lady's fucking insane. That was pretty creepy. Did they plan a series for this movie? No. Nope. No. Wow. Jason was only ever supposed to be just you know a a brief little thing at the end and then that was it this was Jason Voorhees was never supposed to be a character just a plot device for this movie but the success of the film ever you know Cunningham and everyone was like we need more so and Pamela's dead so who now well let's bring back the boy well what's funny is that Cunningham at first was like no that'd be stupid to bring we can't do it with Jason he's also dead yeah. And they had to, so it was like, well, what else are you going Like, they had to tell me, like, what the fuck else are you going to do? We want a sequel. Yeah, killed off the villain. What are we doing? 
Doesn't so, put that tease up in the movie. It'd be funny if like every Friday the 13th movie was like a very obvious ripoff of a more successful movie. Like Friday the 13th, you know, Cunningham saw Halloween and was like, I'm going to make that. But what if he saw Poltergeist and was like, okay, let's do that. He <laughs> just kept doing it. Well, that really, I bring that up because that kind of leads to what Adam Marcus from the ninth movie, right? Jason goes so was saying about Cunningham, which is that Cunningham hates the franchise. Cunningham hates horror movies. And Cunningham told a then 22-year-old director for his first fucking movie on the ninth Friday 13th film, I want the fucking mask out of the movie. But then when it flopped, he put all the blame on this first-time director. This is the kind of guy Cunningham is. It's not fair to hate the thing that puts, you know, money on the table, like puts, you know, money in the bank and food on the table. Like literally all you got, Cunningham. It's all you got. You're not known for that. I mean, I know he was working with Wes Craven on Last House on Love, but a lot of people don't know that. And I don't think he really makes money off that fucking film. You mean the porno we made? Yeah, probably not. (laughs) But yeah, him and Wes Craven worked together on a porno, like a soft core porn thing. He's like, hey, Wes, will you help me with this? And in the Wikipedia, it said, uh, Porn, what was it? Porno aficionado Wes Craven agreed to help him with this. I'm like, that's an like that. interesting way to describe what yeah. horror is. Then they, right. And then they worked together on Last House on the Left, and then that's when they, they split it after that. Yeah. This has nothing to do with anything, but um, just talking about porn made me remember this. Uh, porn in the 70s is fucking wild and wacky. The fact that they had whole movie theaters just dedicated to porn, fucking what? Have you I, seen love that you, I love that you said, like, we'll remember this, like we were there. Oh, sorry. Have you seen The Deuce? No, I haven't. Okay, first of all, great show. Great show. Um, I don't like James Franco anymore, but uh, when I did, uh, fun story, real, 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 real quick. Uh, When I was going uh, to high school in Brooklyn, um, they were filming The Deuce, like down the road from my high school. And people like he was just allowing people to come you know say hi get his autograph and one of my classmates ruined it for me because i was going to go meet him because i was a huge james franco fan because she ran up to him and licked his stomach what the so fuck? he stopped saying people yeah so he stopped saying people considering what we found out about him later it's weird that that was a deal breaker for him yeah yep. i feel like colton was going to say something about them not having a plan for a sequel to Friday thirteenth before we went on the Cunningham tangent. Oh, I was, I was. James I was. Franco weird weirdness that just happened there. But, you know, porn was brought up, and I thought of the Deuce and the you know the fact that there were movie theaters dedicated to porn and yeah, how like days. sex was so like sex is still like a big thing in society like American society today. But the fact that it was like advertised everywhere, like you know, Taxi Driver, you know, it's fucking everywhere. Well, everywhere and, in like New York City, like small town Texas does not have a porno theater. Yeah, but, like no. New York City. Absolutely. Yeah, you know about the whole Pee Wee Herman thing, right? No. Oh yeah, because he got got busted. You know who Pee Wee Herman is? Paul Rubens. Yeah, of course, yeah. He got busted uh, whacking off in a in a porno theater in the midst of Pee Wee's Playhouse, and uh, you can't be a kid. You can't be a you know weird man child on a successful kid show and whack off in movie theaters apparently. <laughs> but like, it's not like he was the only one in there doing that. Like that's what you that's do. Not- but he was so, like, famous, so they went after him. You guys might not agree with me, but I don't. I don't care. Like, if you watch porn, you watch porn, and that was like the only place to watch porn in the seventies. So whatever, you know. I don't, I don't give a shit. 
Pee-wee oh. can whack his Pee-wee as much as he, he wants to. It's got nothing yeah. to do with me. As long as he cleans up. Also, um, Large Marge is the worst jump scare I've ever experienced in my entire life. Yeah, that shit has no place in that movie. That was oh. out of nowhere. <laughs> okay, so sorry. I keep getting sidetracked. So the, the whole sequel thing. So like now knowing where this franchise goes, the fact that like she says, like, oh, his name was Jason. It's just so fucking, that's weird to me that this is the start of a series and the main villain isn't even in it. That's like... Well, again, you have that mindset of how they do movies now, which is they always think with sequels in mind. That was not the 70s or the 80s. Like, it was just, let's make this one movie and move on. And then when it got, like you said, it made so much money, it became so huge, it was like, oh, shit. What do we do now for a sequel? And the best they had was Jason Voorhees. Like, that. that's the best they had. You know, when I think of Sean Cunningham, I think of Adam Scott and Step Brothers. And just being like, you know, this is my nut. Don't fuck with this. Like just an absolute douchebag who only cares about the dollar. It's, it's kind of like, imagine if Darth Vader didn't come into the into the into the Star Wars like franchise until like the third movie or the second movie. You know who also didn't have a plan? George Lucas. Are you serious? The original <laughs> Star Wars was going to be a one-off. He had it. He had like vague shit written down, but he had no idea this was going to be as huge as it was. Oh, so, that's why Luke and Leia kiss in Empire because they weren't siblings yet. So it wasn't. So it wasn't originally Episode Four. No, it was just no, Star no, Wars. It came when out, it came yeah, out in '77. It, it was just Star Wars. Hmm. Yeah. So it wasn't called A New Hope or anything. Nope that came out. That came later. Hmm. Yeah. So that that's why, like, I, I get it, but the, I get where you're coming from. Definitely, Colin. But yeah, I remember at the time they were only thinking one movie. And the chasing thing was merely a plot device for why she does what she does. That was just meant to be a little tease. Because that whole thing, going back to Cunningham just copying better films, that jump scare was because he saw Carrie and liked that jump scare so much. Yeah, he's like, let's do a jump scare. That That's why it's in the movie. It's because yeah. of fucking Carrie. Yeah, um, I, read, I read in the trivia that when Brian De Palma, the director of Carrie, saw Friday the 13th, he had a moment of like, I did that. <laughs> like, yeah. That's mine. <laughs> yeah so that's 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 why I, now luckily with Friday 13 part 2 people will respond even more to it and Jason that they went okay we're going to keep him around because uh, yeah, people like yeah. seeing him well people were like we like this guy Jason's cool but like what are his hobbies like does he, does he play hockey because that would be pretty sweet yeah, yeah even then there's, a, there's an evolution of Jason like you got Baghead Jason in part 2 which I actually like Baghead Jason quite a bit yeah what, um, when does the mask come in? Three. Part three. What? Yeah. That's fucking wild to me. That's something so iconic. It doesn't happen until the third movie. It is such, it's weird how with no plan, it all worked out so nicely. Isn't that, isn't that strange? Like the building blocks for Jason Voorhees are perfectly planted for a sequel, but they never intended to do that. <laughs> That's so fucking wild. Like Harry Potter, Voldemort doesn't come in until the third movie imagine damn yeah it's it's weird that's why I, I like when people go in with a plan you know when they have i don't like when filmmakers just wing shit i like when there's you know an intentional path but yeah, sometimes but, it just works out yeah and again with horror almost all of the horror franchises that we have they were made with no intentions for sequel. they're like let's just make this one movie and then it becomes a huge hit except elm street 
the producers were like, we need a tease in case there's going to be. No, the producers, Craven originally had a, a different ending that had no sequel. So even then, that was conceived as just a one and done. And then, yes, that's what led to the rift between Craven and Shay. Shay's like, we need to put a tease in there. Yeah, I feel like uh, at this point I have to shoehorn Stranger Things in every episode we do now. So I have a question for Caleb. Do you think, do you honestly think that the Duffer brothers planned everything since like episode one? Yes, because they've talked about it on interviews that they planned it to be a four or five season show. They really so you, so they did plan everything. Yeah, it's kind of like when like the first five seasons of Supernatural are actually planned, and they were like, "Let's wing it for the next ten seasons." <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's funny the, and then in part two, it's just like, you know, we get a little bit more, we get a little bit more, and then once the hockey mask showed up, every, you know, everyone was like, "Okay, he's here to stay." Yeah, it was like, ah, and we have it. And even then, what's funny is we pay attention. The hockey max like details change. It could never. It's like Michael Myers' mask. You could just never get it right past the first film. If you pay attention, it changes. It's funny. I feel like a like Michael Myers' mask. I get because it's you know they had to like they, the original ended up under somebody's bed. They had to kind of make it from memory. Jason, you can just go buy a hockey mask. Like you can just go get one. You don't have. Yeah. Why does it have to be all different yeah, every time? Just go get a hockey. Yeah. One of my one of my favorite things in, in in a movie is in Baby Driver when they're planning one of the heists. He's like, "Hey, all the masks, make sure it's Michael Myers." And he comes with like the actor Michael Myers. I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's supposed to be Michael Myers. They're like, this is Michael Myers. He's like, no, from the movie. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was a good touch. That was good. Um, so the deaths are pretty cool. Like you know, Tom Savini is the makeup guy here, and he's the undisputed king of horror makeup. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Maniac, Friday the 13th. Like, he's the man. And he goes all out with this shit. Like the, like the axe in the fucking head. Oh, dude. It oh, that was so good to this day. That was impressive. <laughs> it, yeah. That's why I say, like, you know, like, yeah. And you could argue, like, yes, the sequels come up with even more outlandish kills. They had to as it went on. That's what people wanted. But even for as simple as these are, they are good. Like I said, the whole, like, how they pulled off the Kevin Bacon, you know, arrow through the throat. And when you look at the look, I employ you if you're even curious on special effects, look at the behind the scenes on this film and how they I think they had like Bacon's body like underneath the bed. Yeah. And then like they had just like a sculpt of his head and they could push it through and control how it did. The hand that comes out is on um, Tom Savini's, I believe, if I remember correctly, <laughs> that you see come out of the bed. Um, the way they did it is just impressive. And the axe, and then like obviously the piece, the piece of the resistance with the um the head getting chopped off. Right. And then again, Savini's hands are what you see pop up in the screen. Um, those are his hands. Um, not obviously Pamela's. Um oh, I do love that with, with the with the the bacon death that the bubbles like he's uh, Savini's underneath the bed blowing bubbles into the wound because he needed it to look real. That's why the wound is like it wasn't coming out right. So he just like just blew it out and it goes. So that's that's yeah. it. Oh, yeah, because um, I know we talked about this last week. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Colton, but Savini is a, was a, is a Vietnam vet. Um, before he got his career in makeup effects, um, he went to Gerser Vietnam, and he was a combat photographer. So he has seen death up close and personal. Yeah. And that's why if you watch any of his movies he did throughout the 80s, it be Dawn of the Dead. Well, Dawn of the Dead was in the 70s. But either way, Dawn of the Dead, Friday 13th series, Maniac, The Prowler, 
even if the movie you don't like, you can never deny how great a special effects are because he approached it like how he wanted to be realistic. That was his thing because he's seen it. He was up close and yeah. saw it. So he knew how all this stuff looked. And so he always went for a realistic approach. He's also a pretty decent actor. And he plays the hilarious role of Sex Machine in From Dust Till Dawn, where he has a gun shaped like a dick and balls that comes out of his belt buckle. It's great. Yep. And he's the reason for Greg Nicotero. He, uh, yeah. Nicotero was his protege. Uh, they worked together a lot. And now Nicotero is one of the powerhouses of the industry himself now. Tom Savini poured my uncle a shot. <laughs> Damn. He was my uncle did um he was an extra on uh, Machete Kills 2013 and Tom Savini's in the movie and there's a scene where he's playing a bartender and my uncle was instructed you know just hang around the bar you know make conversation so we had to make conversation with Tom Savini and uh it, you know Tom Savini was like how you doing he's like I'm at the, I'm at a fake bar with Tom Savini that's how I'm doing and he was like I'll drink to that and he poured <laughs> he poured a shot for himself and my uncle and they had a drink that's the coolest fucking story I've ever heard. <laughs> cool. Oh, beautiful. Oh yeah, Tom Sweeney is the man. Yeah. Um, I, also, I I got lucky. I got to meet him. He came when I was going to college. It's called I went to. He came to talk. So I needed the uh, pictures after. So I have a picture of Tom Sweeney on my phone. Sweet. Super awesome. I watched. Um, the, I did see a Q and A he did um at Draft House. I saw this movie um Effects that he was a part of and he and the uh, one of the producers and the director did a Q&A afterwards and talk about the production and stuff and yeah he's really he seems really really cool really humble down to earth nice guy yeah very happy he's just a very happy guy with his career um there is another thing I'll talk about that I think uh also has become like you know we talked about earlier but the music the score for this film I think it's right up there with the gore like you know the kills it's very iconic you know the key 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 ma 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 uh kill um who again i got lucky and like so like i showed earlier i got to meet harry manfredini um himself the guy came up with it and the yeah the scores of this film it's so simple but so effective and it's you hear it in every single film my favorites in freddy versus jason where you get that paired with the elm street music at the beginning with the red new line logo always gives me chills hearing that together yeah um the ending where jason's ghost zombie comes out of the uh, out of the water and grabs annie yep alice no alice alice god damn it this movie um that's you you son of a bitch but go on (laughs) uh it is alice yeah my mistake um and just you know pulls her into the depths that that's pretty creepy if you don't know if you don't if you haven't seen this and you don't know that's coming it's it's pretty fucking scary to, to, yes, Cunningham, to Cunningham's credit, like even though he was like, "Oh, Carrie did this," that was called this my movie. It is an effective jump scare. It's really good. Like if you don't know, especially if you like say you have no idea that this is not Jason Voorhees in this movie at all. So you're the whole movie you're going like, "Where's Jason? Why does he not pop up?" Well, there you go. He's right there. All right. Question: You think Pamela is justified? In her rampage? No. No. Well. No, because now she's killing people that had nothing to do with it. So no. But she's in pain. She lost a child. I don't know. She's, she's crazy. She's, you know who else is in pain? I look. I get it. I I get that. You know, like her kid drowned because they wanted to have sex. I don't. I understand that completely. 
I would be pissed too. But like the these counselors had nothing to do with it. That first round of counselors who actually fucked up and got her kid killed, mow them down, take them all down. Yeah, I'm not. Look, no, yeah. so I said this group yeah. that we follow. Now, now you're just projecting, and now you're you're the bad guy. Now you're being a pain bow. You should be a rainbow. Pain bow. <laughs> I mean, it's in that scene again where we talked about like Betsy Palmer's really great. And again, I said about her great performance. When to Alice, who had nothing to do with it at all, and she looks at her and goes, you killed him. I'm like, no, Alice did not kill your Jason. She never heard of Jason. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, so, yeah, any other any other uh, bits from Friday the 13th you'd like to shout out? Uh, not for me. Like I said, like, look, overall, like, with this film, I do really enjoy it, but it is the rare case of a horror franchise where – I do think the sequels are trying, and that's just because one, I think they got directors that weren't Cunningham that weren't trying to ape other films and say like, Hey, look, let's just give the audience what they want. We know what they like. We know what they want from this movie. Let's do it. And because of that, we also got some fun experimental stuff like, you know, um, with part six and it embracing meta commentary and meta humor was fucking a great fit for the franchise on its sixth film. You know what I mean? Um, or getting a fucking ex porn director to do part five and make it the sleaziest fucking thing i've watched like it has its strongest so getting to other people in did make it through like yes this, i do find sequels better but i still really enjoy this film i enjoy what it has done i the legacy it did for the slasher subgenre i'm not going to take away from it at all i do find it funny that they went back to the carry well for part seven yeah so just the ending they're like so let's just do it like you know essentially the plot of the movie yeah part seven colton jason basically fights a a psychic teenage girl with Carrie powers. It's, it's Jason versus Carrie for the most That's part. That's hot. I like it. It's pretty hot. <laughs> um, well, here are some film guys and facts for Friday the 13th. Number one, after the film's success, Adrian King played Alice. I got it now. Was you better good, you fucking son of a bitch. Go on. She, she was stalked by an obsessed fan. Uh, terrified. She asked that her role in part two be as small as possible, so she was killed off pretty quickly. She did not take any other roles or make convention appearances for almost 20 years after its release. Some psycho was after her. She talked about that when uh, me and Josh went to Crypticon. Uh, we went to a panel that was her and um, Amy Still, who played Jenny in part two. Um, and she talked about it. She she brought it up because, you know, she had been conventions and she said, yeah, that she goes... You could almost argue that if that hadn't happened, maybe she would have had a much different career um, ahead of her. But she made the comment that, yeah, that, that really kind of killed it because she didn't want to be in part two because of it. She stayed away conventionally because she wanted to avoid that guy. And it was, you know, very scary and terrifying for her. Luckily, you know, everything's worked out. She does the convention circuits now. She has. I saw that she's in an indie horror film recently. So she's coming back to uh, the genre, which is awesome. And like I said, you know, she's happily married um and runs a wine a, uh, a winery she's really big into wine so she's doing that did they ever she's, get that they, they ever catch the guy i believe they caught the guy yes and i think that's what helped i think they they finally caught the guy and sent him to jail i pictured like the end of a scooby-doo episode and it's it's cutting him in a mask god yeah it, <laughs> i heard it was terrible i think she mentioned he may have i think he got like dangerous close to, like breaking in her house and like it got real scary after a while she she went into some details i'm like jesus christ 
That's fucking crazy, man. Of all movies to be upset obsessed with, really, you're gonna you're gonna devote everything to Friday the Thirteenth and stalking. Well, it, that's it's just that thing. I know you were joking earlier. It's like, look, don't get me wrong. I have my crushes. I'm not going to obsessively stalk them because I'm not an insane human being. At least Jesus John Hinckley, who has you know went nuts over Taxi Driver. I mean, that's a good movie. I just look. You can have your Hollywood crush by all means. You can have your lady or man you love. 2022. I I don't care. Yeah. Um, but realize. There's Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds doesn't love you, Golden. He can do whatever he the fuck he wants to me, honestly. That's why All right. Um, just yeah. realize. Man, dude. Just realize that they are celebrities. They have lives. They don't know you. <laughs> Once you start blurring that line, you're you're fucked. Your sense of reality is fucked. So get help. Yeah. I look, I may crush on small reaving. I'm aware I she doesn't know who the fuck I am. Like, and that's okay. I'm not losing sleep here. <laughs> um, number two. Oh, I already talked about this. Sean Cunningham cut his teeth in the industry directing softcore porn and then eventually trans- transitioned into horror with fellow porn aficionado Wes Craven. I just love that's how they described him. Wes Craven. Like, I, I'm picturing going to get interviewed, but under instead of, like, you know, director, it says porn aficionado. That's <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, You'll agree with this, Caleb. Number three, in his review of the film, Gene Siskel, famous uh, movie critic, Siskel and Ebert at the movies, big show in the 80s and 90s, um, famously called director Sean Cunningham, quote, one of the most despicable creatures that has ever infested the film industry. What's funny is I agree, but for a completely different reason than they were saying it for. I also read that Siskel fucking hated horror movies. He gave every horror movie he watched a terrible review, including yeah, Jaws, Alien, and The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, he hated horror films. Ebert wasn't too far behind. He could at least be nice to the ones he liked, but well, his thing was, was like he had like a personal vendetta if he hated it. It was like, dude, what did it do to hurt you? Ebert hated horror movies until all of culture embraced them, and then he would review them again, and this time he would love them. Yeah, then you'd be like, oh, I was wrong. I'm like, whatever, Ebert. <laughs> um, and then number four, Sean S. Cunningham refused to direct the sequel because he did not like the Jason comes back from the dead storyline that the studio was pushing on him. He said that was too stupid and wouldn't work. He now admits how wrong he was, <laughs> really, as the series flourished afterward with Jason as the villain. and Jason has become one of the icons of horror films. So if Cunningham had been a little bit more stubborn... He would just have his one little Friday the 13th movie. We'd, we'd be talking about it as this obscure 80s hit that made some waves back then, but then nobody ever talked about it again. You know you know what's funny? Now he's stubborn and we're all, all the fans are losing. And then when he had almost no clout but this one successful film, thank God, seriously, like, shut the fuck up and make our movie. How's that sound there, buddy? <laughs> I think that's, I, I'm assuming that's how it went. At least they were like, all right, well, you don't have to direct, but we're you're doing this, and you can shut the fuck up and make it. I think that's a good segue into the sequels. Uh, we're not gonna just we're not gonna read the synopsis of these, but Caleb, you've seen all these a shit ton of times, so I think you can give us a good little bit of insight on each of these films. Uh, let's start with 1981's Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Should I pull out my set? Should I just? <laughs> so, Part Two, <laughs> new group of counselors are opening it. Um, but this time, uh, it's actually Jason, but it's backhead Jason. 
Also, we have the decapitated head of Pamela Voorhees making an appearance. But yes, same basic plot. Counselors are trying to open it up this time, but now it's Jason doing the killings. Jason, who's just been living in the woods, not, not communicating with mom and wearing a bag on his head. Yep. No, he's mad that his mommy's dead, even though he hasn't communicated with her in years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I don't know why you're trying to question this sound logic. <laughs> well, then there's 1982's Friday the 13th Part 3, also known as Friday the 13th 3D. Uh, in this one, for once, they're not trying to open up a camp. Uh, it's a group of teenagers that go to a camp, a cabin over in the area for funsies, and um, they run into a biker gang that introduces a very interesting out there subplot. Um, this is also where we get Jason with the hockey mask, and the main character has a connection to Jason because she, her family and her were attacked by him somehow at some point when she was a child. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but I have a lot of fun with it. The 3D effects are super cheesy, but so much fun. And I still think it's a fun as whole movie. I had two comments. One, should have named it Friday the 13th, but whatever. And secondly, what is it with 80s movies? Like just with biker gangs. The obsession with biker gangs. They were cool, dude. No, they're not. <laughs> they were. Uh, for all these weekend warriors. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, I find it interesting. See, your synopsis of that tells me that Sean Cunningham clearly went and saw Halloween too, and was like, "Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. Got it." <laughs> Next up, 1984's Friday the Thirteenth: The Final Chapter, the biggest lie in movie title history. So, on this one, for once, we have a family that just actually lives out in that area. So they're not going out there; it's not reopening. They just they live out in the area. So family out there. We have a young Corey Feldman. He's a monster-obsessed kid that does practical effects. Uh, this is also the one where Tom Sweeney came back, by the way, because it was, you know, again, built us the final one. Um, but with that, we can't stray far away from the teenagers. Across the house is a house they rent, literally just right next door to the family where they go to rent and have debauchery and fun with the likes of Crispin Glover. And who wants to come in and wreck shop? Well, good old Jason Voorhees. We also get a, a man of the woods um, hunting Jason for killing his sister in one of the prior films. That's great. <laughs> wow. I think, is this the one where you see his face for the first time? You see his face in like the first, you see his face in all of them. Oh, there's okay. always a moment where they unmask him and you see what he looks like. And his deformity always changes, apparently. Okay, this might be the one where he looked like an alien, so that's why I remember it. It has the scene where, like, yeah, it comes off because Ham puts the fucking machete in his head and it's like cool effect where it falls and he kind of slides down the machete a bit. Yeah, it's a pretty cool effect. Yeah. 1985's Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. So this is the second of the Thomas Jarvis trilogy, who, by the way, that's where I forgot to mention, Curry Feldman plays Tommy Jarvis in the first film. You think he's going to come back for Part 5, you're wrong. Different actor. Get over it. Um, but apparently he was traumatized by the events of part four. He is now a mute that doesn't that's, uh, that knows karate. That's right. He's a mute that knows fucking karate. And he is sent to a wood, to a house that's out there that serves as some kind of institution for rayward kids. 
Um, we were able to take them out near Camp Crystal fucking Lake. Um, and uh, one of the kids is killed in an altercation. Uh, very unsubtly, clearly the paramedics kid. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Jason, who's been dead and gone, right? Final chapter. Copycat killings are happening. But guess what? The twist is, it's not Jason. It's someone else. It's his mom. <laughs> his dad. It's actually, if you watch it, it's 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 really obvious. It's super obvious. Yeah, it's just some schmo with a hockey mask who's like, I'm going to yeah. be the new Jason. And everyone's like, fuck you, you're the new Jason. Give us Jason. So, 1986, Friday the 13th, part six, Jason lives. So this one, along with part four, is considered two of the fan favorites, part four and part six. Uh, this is the conclusion of the Tommy Travis char- uh, character who actually talks this time, uh, played by Tom Matthews, I believe. I believe was his name. I forget that actually plays him in part five. Um, Tom Matthews comes in and plays him this time. He actually talks. He's actually a pretty cool character. In this one, he is determined Jason isn't fully dead, so he has to go make sure and inadvertently brings Jason back in a ode to Frankenstein. This time, actual homage because the director wanted to include a lot of meta humor, a lot of references. He made this one a lot more comedic, hence why a lot of fans kind of flock to this one. It's, it's a really fun one that knows what it is. And completely commits to it. Um, with that, he is the town is no longer Camp Crystal Lake. They have changed to the Camp Forest Green to try to shed that. But Tommy, good old Tommy boy, just doesn't know how to talk to the local sheriff deputy in the area and finds an easy way into getting in trouble with them. Meanwhile, Camp Forest Green is getting ready to open up as a camp for kids oh, once again. <laughs> and because of Tommy, Jason's back and he's working his way to camp to go kill some more counselors all the while tommy is the the you know screaming at everyone that chases live and no one believes him because they don't want to believe him and it's actually like i said this one's a lot of fun only tommy had had a little bit more self-confidence he wouldn't have uh, brought back jason Voorhees. yeah his friend killed like the opening i should point that out i remember that there's <laughs> a quick comment i'm glad they changed the name from crystal lake because where that water looked disgusting that's not crystal it's, it's Maybe like the Texas has. I'm just saying. It's true. Well, it's, I, yeah, good point. 1988's Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. Carrie versus Jason. There you go. Um, you have a psychic that, uh, again, gets some kind of treatment out in the fucking woods at a cabin that the doctor has, and she brings Jason back to life. Meanwhile, a group of teenagers in a cabin down the road, partying it up, Jason attacks, and it be, but eventually it becomes the showdown of Psychic Girl versus um, Jason. The distinct thing about this one is that we got the one, the only, Kane fucking Hodder in his debut as Jason. He still stands as the fan favorite actor to portray him. He would portray him from this film on to Jason X. Everyone thought he was going to be afraid of Jason, but they did him dirty. He wasn't in it, and he's actually pretty, he's, he's not happy about it. You think they got him because was he like they needed somebody who wasn't physically imposing next to Robert England? That was they wanted someone that was like taller and lankier that wasn't as physically imposing. That was actually it. Yeah. And he's like, really? And actually, Robert England's like, I would have been fine with Kane Hodder. It's like, why did it matter? Robert England wanted to be with Kane Hodder because it's like, no, that's who fans identify as Jason. Well, they don't. You know, I'm sure it's New Line. They don't want their, you know burn scarred baby looking <coughs> compared to big old hockey mask brawler 
That's what it is. <laughs> Probably, but it's stupid. 1989's Friday the 13th, part eight. Jason takes Manhattan. Jason on a boat because he didn't have the film, money to film in Manhattan. Uh, he sinks his way onto a boat after somehow coming to life uh, in the beginning of the film because that's the key thing. He always comes back to life right in each sequel. Um, and this time the boat is a bunch of graduating seniors on their way to go to New York and enjoy life while the ward hits them in the dick. Um, meanwhile, Chase is on board killing them. Uh, with that said, when it does get to Manhattan, it's entertaining for a couple of minutes. Um, I, I, I remember you laughing hysterically when he kicked the boom box, like you lost your shit. <laughs> There's a scene, Colton, where Jason's walking down Times Square. There's this black dude with a boombox. Jason turns around, walks back, destroys the kid's boombox, doesn't kill the kid, and just keeps walking. I'm sorry, Jason Voorhees is walking down Times Square? Yep. Yeah. I was going to say, don't people like notice, but I lived in New York City. No one would give a shit. No one would give a shit. Now, with that said, behind the scenes on this, that part was wild to film because this was 89. This is the eighth film. People are fucking still losing their shit over Friday 13th. And they had to make sure shit was sectioned off because as soon as they call cut, fans would be trying to rush Kane Hodder and be like, oh my God, it's fucking Jason. You know, like losing their minds. Like it really was really difficult to film because of, you know, just having Jason out in the open there. Um, but uh, yeah, you only get like 10 minutes of the scene. It is a, when they do get to it, it's solid. You get the famous death where uh, Julius tries to box chase and then gets his head fucking just clean punched off. That's where, it, that's the film it comes from. And it is pretty good death. Um, that, yeah. yeah. Um, with that said, you get the weirdest, one of these strangest endings and killings of Jason. It's, I can't explain Apparently, happened there. Apparently, Jason is terrified of water unless he has to hide in it while um, holding on to a boat for dear life on the way to New York. <laughs> right, and apparently, the the waste, the toxic waste of New York's sewer system can turn him into from an adult into like a kid and kill him. It's it's weird. Yeah, you can make it's, it there. You can make it anywhere. Yeah, I would have loved that the movie ended with like Jason getting hired as like a Broadway backup dancer or something. Like that was his dream. This was, this, was all, this was all about him trying to get to New York and he made it. God damn it. He takes off his mask and he says what you just said. <laughs> you can make it here. He just starts singing New York, New York. <laughs> someone off screen tosses him a cane and a top hat. No, what it should do is it should end with him killing someone, right? And him mm-hmm. like breathing heavily. He starts singing New York, New York. He takes off the mask and then it gets really bright. The camera pans out. You see he's on stage at a Broadway musical. It's, fr- it's Friday the 13th, the musical on Broadway. <laughs> oh, my God. Jason wrote it. Like, he's in the front row. He, like, takes a bow when it's over. It's like his, he made his life story to win Broadway. <laughs> he's this could have been great. Oh. This could have been great. <laughs> but it takes quite a, quite a nosedive. 1993's Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday. Yet another lie. Yeah, so this is when it got switched over to New Line. Paramount no longer had the rights. New Line got it because they were already, at this point in time, talking about a Freddy versus Jason and trying to get it off the ground. Obviously, it did not happen in 1993, as we know. Um, but they were trying to get it off the ground, so they took it over. And again, uh, Adam Oncus revealed, right? Sean Cunningham went up to him and said, get rid of the fucking hockey mask. So that's why, in this one, 
Jason. You get 10 minutes in the opening sequence of Jason. And it's like, and actually a pretty cool design. I like the very degraded Ryan Jason look they go for. Um, but after this opening, if she's revealed that the lady he's chasing was part of a sting operation, they blow his ass up and he's dead. And then the key is that the doctor gets transfixed, eats his heart, and Jason starts possessing people to continue killing. It's really not a great film. Um, the best part of it, it has one of the more iconic deaths where a couple, you have to, what sucks, you have to see it unrated. If you see it rated, the, the, that kill gets kind of censored to shit. But unrated, it's a couple having sex and Jason, as their mid just comes in and stabs both of them. It's like, it's pretty glorious to watch. Um, it, with that, not a very good film. Um, you do get a cool little tease at the end for Freddy versus Jason when you see uh, Freddy Krueger's gloves come out and grab his mask. Pointing, you get the you get the laugh and in the credits, but and this is a great story. So the next one that didn't happen, so they had to come up with a new plan for a Jason movie. Two thousand ones, Jason in space, or Jason X as they called it. Yes, uh, this one look, it's dumb, but it's so entertaining. It's like my said, favorite by far. Yeah, they they look. They were coming up. They had to come up with ideas because the 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 plan to make a favor station was taking way longer than they anticipated. So they had to come up with something that literally, I kid you not, in a film that's not exactly known for continuity, they're like, "Well, we can't fuck up what we're doing with Freddy vs. Jason, so we got to find a way to work around that." So chasing in space, um, in the future, uh, and that's what happens. It's uh, apparently he is a test subject now on future Earth, and he breaks out of it before they cryo freeze him, and then you know. A bunch of futuristic cautions to get him taking back to their ship to study him. He unthaws and starts wrecking shop on the ship. This is where we got the cool death with the uh, he dumps her head in the fucking shit and freezes it and then smashes her frozen head on a fucking counter and just it's fucking awesome. Um, you also get Uber Jason, which hate you know, love or hate with the fans. I love it, I think it's kick ass, it's really cool. You do get a nice tease at the end when he goes to Earth 2, where it's the status quo is reset. Um, but obviously, we never got a sequel to that because then we got the long awaited team up film and a remake after that. Yeah. Sorry, just a quick question. I'm looking at pictures of the Jason in this movie. He has a metal mask, he's like a cyborg. That's Uber Jason. There's a scene where he, he fights a fuck bot. Okay, yeah. That's what I was going to Ends up on a nanobot, like you know healing booth thing that recognizes him as like oh you are so fucked up and rejuvenates him entirely with nanobots and turns him into uber jason it's pretty so it's, it's normal jason and uber jason no it's n- normal jason becomes uber jason so what's this i see jason versus jason x it's probably some comic they did yeah. they did a bunch of there's been a bunch of comics and novels that further fleshed out these stories that never get movies Mm. Yeah, that'd be cool though to see Jason fuck up Jason. Yeah, I'd watch it. Yeah. 2003, Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, so this is this was it. This was a showdown we all wanted. Freddy and Jason came back. Unfortunately, like we talked about already, without King Harder Studio did some dirty shit. But with that said, Ken Kersinger, Ken Kersinger is the one who plays him, and he does do a really good job. I do like him in the role. Um, and it does, he does the one of my more favorite deaths with the bed when he just fucking scrunches that bed in half and kills a dude. Um, yeah, this is a fun one. Uh, they, you know, they find a way 
were, you know, Jason is living a, a personal hell, apparently. He is at Pharrell dead, living out his personal hell constantly. And Freddie needs the, the people of Springwood to believe in him again. And so he uses Jason. And obviously, things go awry because Jason gets, you know, happy to be back out and killing. And it leads to a epic, badass, in my opinion, showdown between these two times of terror. I am so mad I never got a sequel, but I will take this one movie. Yep, Jason taking on Fredward Krueger himself. Why do they fight? Uh, basically, Freddy brings Jason back because nobody believes in Freddy anymore. And he's like, oh, I got to get these bitches to remember fear. And Jason can do that because I'm trapped in dream world. So with Jason out and about kind of taking you know, credit for Freddy's like, murders, yeah. people are like, oh, my God. There's murders on Elm Street. It can only be one person. So everyone starts getting afraid of Freddy. But then Jason starts going rogue and killing it of his own accord. And Freddy's like, what the hell? I thought we had a deal. And so they fight each other for control of killing these idiots. So there you go. <laughs> then we got the remake, 2009's Friday the 13th. Yes, basically return to basics, but with the condensing of one through three as far as Jason's look. So we literally get Pamela pre-credit sequence, quickly get back head Jason, and then we quickly get fucking Hockey Mass Station in one movie. Um, with that said, it's well known for its opening 20 minutes. Even the most hateful fans of this film will, not, will say the 20 minutes or fucking that opening 20 minutes before Friday 13 pops up is magical. And it is a really good sequence. Like, look, if you want, like, even if you don't like what happens after the title pops up, those 20 minutes of like that initial group of kids and Jason fucking them up is gold. Holy shit. Is it a way of throwing your dick out? I mean, like, this is your Friday 13th voice. Get ready. Um, for lack of a better announcement there. But yes, um, we get that. And then that's when, you know, after that, you know, we get the new group of teenagers and also Sam Winchester for you supernatural fans. The same year, by the way, that we got Dean Winchester in my Bloody Valentine remake. So that was, which led to a great, two great references in Supernatural because they never miss a chance. Um, I do love real quick. There's a character in the in this movie named I think his name was Trent. Oh my God, uh, the douchiest, the douchebag. He is the same exact character in 2007's Transformers, which means that Transformers and Jason exist in the same universe. Yes, and that's just good to know. And Trent really died. Hmm? Like they are the same character. Yep. Dude named guy named Trent played by the same guy, same costume. Very obvious. The same dude. Cause Michael Bay produced the 2009 remake. Yeah. Um, with that, he is douche, but gear God, does he still that movie? Like I said, if you want to hear some of the most insane lines of dialogue during a sex scene. Oh boy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, never thought I'd hear those kind of, that kind of wording come out of someone's mouth. Um, but like I said, this was also the Derek Mears Jason. Um, I know a lot of people have kind of beef with his version because he's he's running and you see his underground lair. I didn't give a shit. I thought he crushed it. I really liked him as Jason. I really, really liked him. Um, and I'm on the love it side. I don't get the hate on that a lot of people put on this film. After some of the sequels we got, I liked that they went back to basics with this. So had a lot of fun with it. Sad that we didn't get a sequel. And, you know, hopefully once this shit clears up, we'll finally get another back to basics. Chasing. Is this is this one included in your set as well? Yeah, it is. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Um, with that, 
that's it for Jason because there's been a lawsuit halting new content for quite some time. So I have an article here from certifiedforgotten.com by uh, Lindsay Traves, published January 29th, 2021, called The Future of Horror Hinges on the Friday the 13th Lawsuit. No, it doesn't. I think, I, I think that's a bit... Yeah, uh, no, but go on. Drama queen. I, I get what they're saying. Like, calm down. Like, if you want this slasher thing to keep going, like, I do think we need another Friday the 13th to help with the... Get the slash thing going. Because Halloween... Who knows when we get another one after this trilogy ends? Because I'm not, I'm not, obviously we're getting another one, but when? I'm good. Michael's going strong. Leatherface is coming back. We got Scream going strong. Chucky's on TV. I think we're doing all right. No, we still need Jason. Jason needs to be there too. I don't, I think he, Jason, (laughs) hang up the mask and retire, buddy. Jason needs to be there too. I told you, agree. You've killed enough. enough. Jason needs to be there too. All right, I'm going to read because you're a hater. Just admit it. Jason needs to be there too. Just say it. No. No. All right, then I won't keep interrupting. <laughs> so before Pamela Voorhees and a version of Jason, Jason needs to be here. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Fine. You can have your Jason. My God. Okay, go on. So. <laughs> Uh, before Pamela Voorhees and a version of Jason that might have been an apparition graced our silver screens, writers and studios exchanged words, contracts, and agreements to create the massive hockey mask franchise we know and love. It was here that Victor Miller either penned Friday the 13th and sold it to a studio or worked on the project as their employee. This all-important fact remains unclear as the ongoing legal battle trudges on. So that's pretty much what's going up here. It's like, did Victor Miller write this independently or did he write it under Sean Cunningham's guidance? Well, the, the court, so the whole thing was that there's a thing in place for screenwriters. After 35 years, they can claim the rights to something again. So like, let's say if you never got the rights to creating the James Bond character, let's say writing Dr. No or some shit, right? Mm-hmm. 35 years later, you can contest that. You won't get anything moving. You won't get anything that's already been made out of that like you're not getting any past royalties but anything future you're guaranteed to get now because you have that right that's, that's how Clive Barker got Hellraiser back that's how you got her and that's what he was doing that's what Victor Miller was saying was like hey I created this character I wrote this film I at least want the stuff going forward yeah Sean Cunningham being the greedy bastard that he is contested that inside to sue him for it and said no you don't court agreed the first time on Victor Miller, so I said, yes, no, this falls under this thing we've, this law that's in place. He, like, he's, uh, Cunningham got mad about it and said no, and then took it up higher and reattested it, which drew it out longer, just for that court, I think the second appeal or whatever, to turn around and say the same thing, which is, Victor Miller, this thing stands, like, he's, he, he is, this is his rights to this. So now... Yeah. That that happened, that got out of court. It's finally out the fuck of court. And I think they were rushing it at that point because the same lawyer attached to this is attached to the upcoming Marvel um, shit coming up. So he has to like end this so he can move to the next big thing. Yeah. Um, so that's what is at now. That It's out of court. Now it's, they have to actually, and this is again, uh, if you're, Larry Zerner would get on Twitter and like break this down to people so we can understand. Um. Now they have to get together outside of court, essentially 
figure out, okay, how much money are we getting from this? Blah, blah, blah. Like figure all that minute detail out, which is the next part that's going to take forever. So now they have to actually come to your hands on who's getting what, how much money is being divided between the two of them. Meanwhile, we have studios. Like I said, the studios are actually like sitting there antsy on their feet, like hurry the fuck up. We want to get a movie out. Because if you notice, there was news before this went into court about a Friday 13 film forever. Like they were like, yeah, they're getting one made. Blah, blah. So the studio wants one out there because they know the money they can make off this. They are aware of the money they can make off this. But it didn't happen in time. Now it's out of court. It's I get the feeling Paramount here the fuck owns it. So they're going, hurry the fuck up so we can get a movie out. Like figure your shit out so we can get a movie out and get money off this shit thing. Shit. All right. You know what? That summed it all up really well. I don't, I'm, I'm good here. <laughs> I've been following it very closely. That was good. Yeah. I bet that's, that helps me figure a little bit of this out. Cause this article goes big into the legal mumbo jumbo. And it's just like, by the time I was done reading it, I was still not really that sure. So that's, thanks. you're welcome. That's the nuts and bolts. Victor Miller, 100%. The court agreed twice. Yes. You are due this. Uh, this you know money moving forward you know what I mean like how's your uh, in law that law how's Cunningham's health these days hopefully not good well we'll see because well. uh, I and it's fine because you can tell and the reason I say studios are antsy because there's been when I went at the to the convention that Adrian King and um Amy Silver there they even said they're like it's just two old grumpy men fighting and hopefully if they can. They're like, we would love for you guys to have another movie. It's just these old grumpy men fighting. And no. it's like, you can tell from everyone involved, and like I said, the studio too, they're probably sitting there going, stop fucking fighting so we can get this out. Because I stand that a Friday 13th film, the actual release, could make as much, if maybe more, I don't know, but definitely around the same amount of money that Halloween 2018 did, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, Because it's still huge. It's still a money. It's still one of the biggest franchises alive. And it hasn't had a new thing in years. Um, so it's like, it could make money. The studios are aware of that. I think they're just like, hurry the fuck up, hash out how you guys want this money divided now that you're out of court and let's get this ball rolling. Oh, there you have it. We finally unraveled the lawsuit for Friday the 13th. We've teased that a few times on the, on the show. I'm glad we finally were able to just kind of lay it all out, you know, pick your, pick your side. I, I just want it to be over. I just, this is how I come at it. Miller's absolutely right. And based off what I know about Cunningham, he's being a dick. He's being an asshole. It doesn't, he doesn't like horror. He doesn't even like the franchise. He just wants the money. And he doesn't want to share it. Yeah. Mm. He's a prick. Mm. Well, there it is, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, this was a beefy one. If you like what we do, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or send us a message through the socials. Uh, check out our website, filmgasm.com, where we have reviews, articles, trailers of upcoming films, and every episode of our shows. If you want to support the show through Anchor, you can click on support this podcast on your preferred provider. We appreciate any donations. The gauntlet is nearly complete. There's only one episode standing between us and the 200th episode. So naturally... We're continuing our theme of big, significant horror films. If you leave Camp Crystal Lake, you'll come to a fork in the road. Turn left, you end up in Haddonfield. Turn right, you'll find yourself strolling down Elm Street. We just brought Jason into the show, so why not go into our nightmares and bring Freddy Krueger in next? 
A group of teenagers find their dreams haunted by a burned figure with a razor glove and must try to find a way to stop him from slaughtering them all in Wes Craven's 1984 horror classic, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Can't wait. Unlike Friday the 13th, I actually like Elm Street quite a bit. So this will be really fun. <laughs> you just had to say something. Yes. Yes, I did. I am. Okay that you're I was rooting wrong. for Freddy in Freddy versus Jason. It's okay. You're not a true horror fan. It's okay. I love me some Freddy. I, I find him hilarious. I think overall, he's got now. He's got more shitty films. I'll give you that. But when or he hits, goddamn, does he hit well. Also, they're not consistent. He starts out scary, then he becomes comedic, then they take him back to scary, and then they did whatever the fuck they did with the remake. Ugh. As opposed to the just constant consistency of Friday the 13th. Yes, of Jason being Jason. Or, um, you know, a worm. <laughs> that one time. That was Cunningham's fault. We talked about that. Still that counts. was all Cunningham. Still counts. I don't know what you're talking about. He was still chasing through and through. Don't miss the sci-fi horror bomb Congo on Friday's Beyond the Bad and Jordan Peele's modern horror classic Get Out on Oscar Sunday. Until then, if you're a camp counselor, don't fuck on the clock when you should be watching the kids swim. Otherwise, one of them could drown, come back to life, and refuse to die for over 40 years. Keep watching movies, and we'll see you next week. (laughs) 